This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now, enjoy the show. Hello, this is the Fallen Angel, Christopher Daniels, and you can't tell, but right now I'm dressed as Deacon and not the Fallen Angel because I'm at Waterworld, and you are listening to the Busted Wide Open podcast because there's degrees. There's a little bit busted open, but this is Busted Wide Open. You're listening to us, so thanks for listening. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open podcast, dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. But if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode 166. My name is Nick Howell. And finally, better than Chris Jericho at something, and that something is skateboarding. I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and welcome back <laughs> wow, to yes. the show, everybody. Yes, yes, finally. Finally, there's something. Uh, yes, welcome back to the show, everybody. This is our Saturday show. That means we'll be talking about SmackDown from Friday night. We'll be talking about AEW and NXT over in the Wednesday night wars. Oh. And then, of course, we got a huge news section because a ton of stuff has happened since Tuesday. So welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Nick, we've got a lot to discuss this week. It, it felt like a bit of a transitional week. For all, so? for all three shows, like it just it felt like, well, AEW less than the other two, but it felt like both SmackDown and NXT were setting up pieces for things, but it didn't feel like a lot really happened. Like a lot happened, but they, they didn't really like it was all very self-contained. Yep. Or in the case of NXT, I felt like there was a lot of like, hey, this is who this person is, or welcome back, so and so. So right, I, I'm looking forward to talking about it, but it was it was a very very interesting strange little week with us going home to or, or getting ready to go home to <laughs> crown jewel and uh, and aew getting ready to start getting what's their next pay-per-view called it's uh, i always forget but uh, the one that they're having in november oh fuel but rod or something fuel like that <laughs> i can't remember um Oh, uh, Fury Road. No, as, that's Mad Max. Um, it's not. It's not as ingrained the names of their pay per views yet, uh, the way that WWE's are. But <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to discuss today, Nick, and uh, we can't get into it without doing our housekeeping, yes. so that everyone knows where they can find us across all platforms. Yes, guys. Thanks so much for joining us right here live on YouTube every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern and every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern right here at YouTube.com slash Busted Wide Open. Make sure you pound that subscribe button. Give us a like on the videos that you watch and uh, make sure you turn that notification bell on so you can get notified anytime we schedule new events. 
months and put up new content right here on the YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash busted wide open. Thank you to the chat. You guys are lively today for joining us. Thank you very much. Uh, if you're not joining us in the chat, you're missing out on some good auxiliary content that you're only hearing on the audio podcast. So see if you can join us in the future. It's a good time. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. Uh, join us in the Busted Wide Open discussion group. The rest of the phenomenal ones all hang out in the Busted Wide Open discussion group over on Facebook. So you may want to make sure you're in there, as well as our Discord server, which you can find links to in the description below here if you're watching on YouTube, or you can find it pinned across our various social media profiles. Uh, but that is a lot of fun. We have an up-and-coming Discord community, live chats for every single show, uh, live chats for every pay-per-view all throughout uh, the week when we're watching regular shows. Everything's going on in there. Thank you, Facebook, for taking away group chats. For us again uh, has forced our hand, but that community is is budding over there. Last but certainly not least, shout out to all of our patrons. Thank you very much. You guys uh, are the fuel for this machine that we call Busted Wide Open, and thank you very much for uh, for your support and being willing to give your hard earned dollars every single month over to us to uh, help us continue to build this show. And it, it's been an amazing ride, and we in ways we feel like we're just getting started with this whole new era of multiple shows throughout the week. So thank Ooh, you yeah. very much. If you'd like to get in on some of that, head over to patreon.com slash BWO and sign up for one of those awesome reward tiers, get some sweet swag, access to uh, the ability to ask listener questions for our new patron mailbag series that we're doing. Uh, and uh, bonus episodes every single month. Patrons, we got a new one coming for you next week, so stay Ooh. tuned for that. But yeah, I, I don't know if it was just a building week for me this weekend. I actually enjoyed some of the, some of the stuff that went down. Well, uh, well, geez, I would love to hear what that is because I, I was ready to kill myself at some points during SmackDown. But Nick, okay, let's not do it now. Let's, yeah. let's, let's get it all off of our chests and go over and talk about SmackDown on Friday nights. Well, this week on SmackDown, we had uh, our, I guess, our since the transition, was this our first episode of Miz TV on, on SmackDown? I guess it would be, right? I, it was the first a lot of things. It was, I guess, the first kind of regular episode after the draft and after going yeah. to Fox. I'm still getting used to calling it Friday Night SmackDown and not SmackDown Live. That's still, that's that's going to be a tough transition for me but and, and i know people are still looking for it on tuesdays and feeling weird about not having anything to watch on tuesdays um aw dark and power nwa yeah. power that's power that's, your new tu- that's your new tuesday watching uh right. friday nights now however it's it's strange to think that that's when smackdown is uh so i think this it's still people are still figuring that out unfortunately it also feels like wwe is still figuring out how to do the show as well because this week it really did feel like they were Spinning their wheels a little bit, getting a couple of things ready for Crown Jewel, but at the same time, not really. There's no long term storylines that I'm really seeing promoted right now, except for maybe Bailey, which is the, in my opinion, the most interesting thing happening on SmackDown. For now. So I don't know how much fuel now. it's got in the tanks uh, at this I point. I don't know. But. Well, let's talk about it right now then. As you said, yeah. Ms. TV, Bailey comes out with her still best friend, Sasha Banks who had a nice comeback and looked like she was on a roll and then lost to Becky twice, and now you know, she's back to being the Sasha Banks that she was before she quit during WrestleMania. Uh, so that's, that sucks for her. But Bailey came out basically to finally offer that great pastime that heels have when they freshly turn heel, and that is the explanation 
for the heel turn. And at first, Miz just railroaded her, just ran her over uh, because Bailey didn't have anything to say. And Miz basically put words in her mouth for about five minutes and the crowd ate it up. By the way, before we get into this episode, that crowd in Indianapolis, they were awesome. They were hyped for the entire show. There's a lot of stuff that had they been in, say, I don't know, Corpus Christi or somewhere where the crowd just sits on their hands, this show would have been dead, DOA. But that crowd helped liven up some parts in the show that otherwise would have fallen flat. And this is one of them. Them getting behind Miz in this segment really helped, and it let Bailey look like even more of... Uh, more isolated from the crowd, which was her point when she finally did describe why yeah. she turned heel, which was, all this time, I'm giving, giving, giving. I'm giving hugs. I'm giving love. And what do I get? I get nothing. I got nothing back in return. Uh, okay, kind of a classic heel explanation. What did you make of of her explaining her heel turn here? Um, I, It's a commitment. <laughs> I'll give her that. I mean, everything that has made Bailey Bailey, she basically just ran down. Oh, she buried it. So I hope you're committed (laughs) because there's no fallback plan at this point. You don't get to go have the buddies again. I guess it's WWE. A year from now, who knows what could be happening. I don't know about a year, but like two or three years, all of a sudden she comes out and goes, and the buddies come back. That's a huge pop. Yeah. I'm just saying it could could happen. Not that they ever booked her well ever, but – yeah. In theory, in theory, it's possible. Sure. Uh, that being said, I did just as a small thing, and don't read it too much into this, but I did think it was a little bit funny that, yeah, it's a classic heel explanation. Uh, I was giving to you guys, and you guys never gave back to me, so now here's my advice to you. Life sucks, and then you die, yeah. which was a great line from Fantastic. Her. <laughs> See you in hell. You know, same kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. right. Screw you, bitches. All the stuff she was saying. Uh, it's funny because... When you hug somebody, you're getting, unless they're just sitting there with their arms at their sides, you're getting a hug in return. So she's like, you never gave back to me. I'm like, well, is that really how that works? Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, you're just creepy. (laughs) Hashtag Bailey logic, which is, of course, heel logic, which is, of course, way better than WWE logic because it actually can, it's supposed to make a twisted sort of sense. Right. But uh, but anyway, no, I thought it I thought it was good. I, like you said, I don't know how long this will last at this level. They're going to have to escalate it at some point. But right. this was fine for this week, and I thought it was it was an interesting take on it. And I thought Bailey did a pretty decent job at it. I did too. But but then her her, course, her emoting was on point. She stayed in character very well, and, and yes. I that's what I would commend her for the most. The whoever wrote the shit was just like, eh, all right. The one thing I will call out is Miz did come up to a video package before Bailey spoke. And they apparently did pay whoever your crying kid that you posted. They paid them yeah. because he was included in the video package. If you haven't seen what Nick's talking about, we, I posted a Twitter, uh, a, a tweet from Twitter that, uh, that came out the day after Bailey turned last week. And it was brilliant. It was a guy who was filming his son reacting to Bailey killing the Bailey buddies. And they showed it on, on SmackDown this week. So it was nice that they saw it and were as amazed. And I, I, I posted it and said, am I evil for laughing my head off at this? No. And apparently apparently of, all of the executives at Fox feel the same way. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. This kid is just in bawling in tears at Bailey killing these baby bu- Bailey buddies. Ba- baby buddies. Uh, hey, man, she, had, she stumbled on it, too. It's, a not, it's not an easy thing to say. Uh, well, Sasha but, was sitting right next to her. 
Well, that's true. That's true. Sasha got her. That's what it was, Nick. You're right. She was ESPN. Sasha Banks. Sabada, Sabada, Sabada Banks. But so that the that clip is unbelievable. I'm so glad they got a hold of that. That's that's good stuff right there. Mm -hmm. But then we had after this little Miz TV segment, we had Nikki Cross come out and saying, "Oh Bailey, did you want a hug? Well, guess what? I'll bring you a hug all the way from Glasgow, Scotland. I'll get in the ring. I'll give you a real hug." Except that it was for a six-pack challenge. So, of course, after Nikki out came Dana Brooke. She also had a speech about being overlooked, underappreciated. I agree with her. And then everyone else came out and no one else got a speech. We had uh, uh, Carmella, Fire Lacey and Desire, Evans. and Lacey Evans all came out to have the six-pack challenge. What did you think about the fact that it was, a, it was fun, fun little chaotic match, a bunch of good work, but... Uh, at the end of the day, it was Nikki pinning Dana Brooke. What did you think about the fact that WWE, right off the bat, showed their hand, made it very obvious who the most important women in this match were? Uh, I didn't read into it that way. Um, I, I, I guess after the pinfall, you can it's it's hindsight's twenty twenty. But uh, them coming out that way, I, I was just like, okay, cool, six pack challenge for the number one contendership. Finally, we're getting matches that have stakes for number one contenderships, and yes. whoever gets the next opportunity—that's exactly the way you should be booking this stuff. So I, I didn't agree. care who got a speech or not. Uh, it well, was, but at, when Nikki pinned Dana, I went, ah, they they did show their hand at the beginning. I just wasn't a little bit of spoon feeding to the new audience, yeah. maybe you yeah, know. But the, the problem is they don't have a new audience. They're losing numbers. They're 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 dropping in ratings already. On SmackDown, and they're is it still big enough of a drop it. to even be worried about? Uh, I mean, if I were WWE, they're they're expected to pull in uh, at least uh, about one and a half million higher than they're pulling in right now. If they're going to be on Fox on Friday nights, that's big. Yeah, yeah. That's big. no, it's, it's they need to be growing, not dropping. And it's <laughs> it's you know to be right off the bat this much of a drop off and no growth. That's that'd be I would be really. I, I would be a little worried if I was WWE, but instead they gave us the program they gave us tonight, which was not building towards anything. Nothing on this show made you have to tune in next week. Correct. That's really the thing that I want to point out. And Nothing to exacerbate that even further, they talked about uh, in the last uh, half hour of the show, where they kept repeating over and over again, we're going to be on FS1 next week for one time only, one FS1. <laughs> and, I'm, and in my head, I'm going... Shit, are the ratings that bad already? Shit, what have they got on Friday? Apparently, it's the World Series. The World Series, yeah. So the World I, Series is kicking am, them off. I want to temper everybody's expectations a little bit. I want to say, calm down. Take a deep breath. It's the playoffs right now. It's going to be gone in a couple of weeks. All right? It, it's going to be over. We're, we're, yes, the World Series is, is happening. Yes, that happens. A lot of other sports happen on Fox. Everybody take a deep breath. Let's see what happens over the holidays because there's well, nothing going on over the holidays other than, like, football. Nothing I agree that they've, they, they've got a bit of a window. They're not going to, you know, ha not have the ratings by mid-November and get cut from Fox. Like, right. they're going to – Fox dropped a, 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 a little bit of coin, a little, little bit of coin on them getting them over there. They're not going to just suddenly, you know, take their escape clause at this contract and, and run. But – Let's look at this in six months or a year, and if they're not doing well, then yeah, this could be a huge debacle for WWE if they can't turn the ship around. But we digress, Nick. We're still talking about this particular episode of SmackDown, and uh, as you said, Nikki and Dana were the finish. They're they're kind of spoon feeding the new fans. What what's the other thing? I have a question about Nikki is now the number one contender. Where's Alexa? Mm. They, they remember remember the brilliant draft moves 
that WWE wrote that USA and Fox would have. USA, of course, drafting both Alexa and Nikki individually, even though they could have gotten them as a package, as a tag team, and then trading them both away as a tag team to, to, to Fox for, quote, future picks, because that's what you do when you plan ahead. When they plan ahead their draft, these are the kinds of moves that they make. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, maybe they thought, maybe Alexa, they finally figured out that having Becky, Charlotte, and Alexa Bliss all on the same show was probably not a good idea. You could not have figured that out before you actually did the thing that you said that you've been planning to do. I hear you. I hear the, you. The right, like, the, the oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not going to I'm not gonna totally go agree off with you. on my rant about WWE's inability to cogently tell a story because of their last-minute changes to things uh, and dropping the ball on great potential because they don't have the organization and are incompetent at writing. I'm not going to go off on that right now. That's for another time. Right now, we're going to talk about the fact that it appears like Nikki Cross is off on her own and Alexa Bliss may be off on her own as well, which is one more major team out of the women's tag team division, which is strange after they did so much to, to push those two as a tag team. And just kind of got dropped. Like you didn't see any Alexa rea reaction to this or anything. Right. Do you read anything into that, or is that no? I, just... I, I would have expected Alexa to be in her corner, but what it looks like to me is that they're not uh, moving forward with the tag team post dropping the belts. They're, it's probably they're probably just going to be singles wrestlers now. So I, you know, I, I've let Nikki have her moment. It should have built previously, as I've said many times before. It should have been Nikki. I liked that they were doing it together with Alexa, but that build and those matches with Bailey, she looked like she already had the one up on her. I'm perfectly fine with Nikki getting her singles opportunity here and uh, being able to have this run, have this contendership. Let's let's make a good program out of it. At mega face Nikki Cross. If you'd have told me that two years ago, I told you you were stupid and crazy. But hey, she's getting over, and I'm I'm ha happy as hell for her. And let's see what she can do. That's really what this comes down to to me. Yeah, it's funny now that they're they're making her less of she's not insane. She's just really caffeinated. Yeah, if you look at the backstage stuff she's doing, she's like, I feel like I drink ten cups of coffee. So yeah. it's it's a it's a weird character change. So Nick, the other major thing that happened on the show was a through line where Roman Reigns, because of some Twitter beef, got himself a shot at the Intercontinental Title because that's how we hand out title shots now is through Twitter beefs. Okay. Roman, <laughs> Roman Reigns gets a shot at Nakamura's Intercontinental title, which Roman Reigns Nakamura should headline a pay-per-view. Instead, it opens SmackDown and doesn't have a finish because Corbin comes out of nowhere and hits Roman in the back of the head with his scepter, and it's a DQ finish. And instead, while Roman Reigns is getting beat down, Daniel Bryan comes out for the save. And even though Daniel Bryan and Roman said, hey, we're teaming up for one time to beat Rowan and Harper... They teamed up yet again in the main event of the show tonight, and we had Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns versus Shinsuke Nakamura and Baron Corbin in the main event, which I will say, Nick, was even though there was no stakes, no point, no story beyond seemingly this show, both matches were very entertaining. They absolutely just to, just were. Just to watch. But we had Michael Cole, Michael Cole reaching full completion. It stopped <laughs> 
dog, dog. to open up SmackDown oh, oh. Uh, with zero as explanation oh. as to, like if you hadn't broken down that there was some Twitter beef that happened over the last few days that I was just you know intimately unaware of uh, that I I just had no idea what was going on. If you if you hadn't told me that I would have I had no idea sitting down to watch SmackDown last last night that the commentary didn't say anything about Twitter beefs nothing it's just who else they to did. get a intercontinental title shot than the big dog to correct you Cole did say there was a Twitter beef but it wasn't really he didn't drive it home but he did mention it <laughs> and if you and obviously if you missed it. You missed it, and you're like, I guess Roman Reigns just gets a title shot. My high, right? yeah, my highest level of attention span is at the opening of the show, and I somehow right. it, it wasn't apparent enough. That, <laughs> okay, fair enough. Right, they didn't actually like cut away to a video segment showing their actual tweets, but regardless, the crowd was happy. So, re- can we really be mad that these two matches served no purpose if the crowd was happy? Because if you were in that audience. You had two really exciting matches, and one paid off the other. Like, oh, damn, that sucks that there was no finish to the Nakamura-Reigns match. And it does suck. But it paid off in another tag match later where the faces stood tall and the audience went home happy. Can you really be mad at there being no long-term purpose to that if that crowd in attendance live was happy? Yeah. I mean, I, well, it's not rhetorical. I have an opinion on it. I think that there is an answer to that. I was wondering if, 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 if the, you thought. If the crowd was happy, that's fine for the single event, single venue. Uh, right. But for us as wrestling fans watching from home, what goes on at the venue really, I mean, it's it, it's part of the entertainment for us to watch. But at the same time, uh, it's not affecting my my watch my viewership of the actual match that's taking place. Sure. I, I still watch these, as ma- and I, I agree with you. Roman Reigns and Nakamura for the Intercontinental title should be a should headline a pay-per-view or should at least yep. be a top of the card of a pay-per-view. Um, but at the same time, I'm not mad at it because of what exactly happened here. We're going to set up multiple feuds. We're going to have multiple matches, and we could potentially get some some bigger stories out of this. And is Roman and Nakamura entertaining with Daniel Bryan on the side and King Corbin circling this whole thing? The thing I liked about this opening match was what I said, I think, a week or two ago, where I said King Corbin doesn't need to be fighting Shorty Gable. He needs to be interfering, interrupting, doing other things, right? Not messing, not having other matches, but I mean, what he did this week was exactly kind of what I want him to be doing. Uh, in fl- you know, p- p- putting his will into things with his scepter, uh, literally and figuratively, and affecting the outcomes of matches and and putting his uh, his power as king of the ring into play. That we could have had a beautiful exhibition of Roman Reigns and, and Shinsuke Nakamura, but I liked the fact that King Corbin came in and interrupted it. Whether or not we got a match later. That was kind of irrelevant for me at the point. It was cool. I like both of them, just like you. But I, I think that was what I took away from it. Yeah, and for, and for me, it was just a law of diminishing returns, you know, in the sense that, again, you're not making anyone want to come back next week with this. There's nothing that was left hanging where you go, God, I got to see what happens next. It right. was just like, okay, that was cool, and go home. And that's great for a live crowd, terrible for a TV crowd when you yep. need those ratings. That being said, maybe there was something we weren't seeing here. Maybe the fact that Daniel Bryan pinned Nakamura and Corbin and Reigns seem to have words only for each other on this show. Maybe that's hinting that Daniel Bryan and Nakamura are going to go into a feud, Roman Reigns maybe. and Corbin. And both of those feuds, I'd be fine with. Yep. I mean, I'm not super excited about Corbin Reigns, but whatever. Just have those two go have a feud. Daniel Bryan, Nakamura, I'll watch that. 
I'll buy that for a dollar. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Roman Reigns, we also found out on this show something that we already knew. Seth Rollins is no longer captain of Team Hogan over at Crown Jewel because, you know, he's in a feud with The Fiend because that's good for business. Instead, uh, Hulk Hogan said that he had picked Mustafa Ali and Gable to be on his team, and then he had a replacement for captain he was going to announce at the end of the show. To no one's surprise, that new team captain, Roman Reigns. Of course. Okay, great. So now you've got uh, Roman, Roman Reigns, Ali, Gable, uh, Ricochet, and uh, who else am I forgetting? Who's the other good guy on I feel uh, like there's team still Hogan? one. No, th- no. There's, there's one missing on uh, Team Flair. Lashley, Nakamura, Corbin, and Orton are Team Flair, and they're missing one right now. But uh, mm-hmm. at any rate, so that those teams are set mostly. We're still waiting for the last person on uh, on Flair's team. I, I wait with bated breath. I'm losing sleep over it. I'm telling you right now, Nick. <laughs> the other thing I'm losing sleep over is the fact that we also found out this week that that Rollins versus Fiend match, yep. they created a whole new stipulation for it just because you know they wanted to make the fans happy. Yeah. It is now not only a Falls Count Anywhere match, but it's a Falls Count Anywhere match, quote, that cannot be stopped for any reason. Because that wasn't the stipulation apparently in Hell in a Cell, and so we're just going to make it an arbitrary stipulation in Saudi Arabia just so that people know we're not stopping it for any reason. Hmm. Okay, so we're... So besides the obvious reactionary booking that they're having here, what in the world are they going to do to finish this match? How in the world are they... I mean, are they just going to have... So remember, I I believe one of the patron questions was, how do you save the Fiend-Seth feud? Yeah. And I think both of our reaction was, have the Fiend not care about the title. Right. Right? Have him beat Seth down, leave him lying, you know and have the ability to go for the pin and then just not and then just walk away. Yeah. I mean, that right. would have been an amazing finish and somehow he had magic powers that broke the chain on the door and he got out of the cell and just walked up the ramp and Seth was the one under the pile of ladders and chairs and it's left there yes. bloody and all of that stuff, right? And he didn't care about that. He just killed Seth Rollins. It's That's still all. a dangerous finish to a match because if done improperly, it will leave fans unsatisfied. Right. But if you, if done right, that's a solid finish. You can do that. Having the Fiend pinned in Saudi Arabia is going to be one of the worst things WWE can do right now. Full stop. I think that the, I, I, I don't think a lot of people are going to be watching the show anyway, but if people hear the Fiend got pinned in Saudi Arabia and they show the, the footage of it, people will be pissed. Yep. Pissed. Yep. And it's, it's so, going to happen. I don't, there's no way in hell. Nick, Seth, they listen. Shush. No, don't don't be so certain. I, Come on, man. Don't jinx it for the rest of us. Yeah. I, I don't know that there's any way that you can have the fiend in in a DNF situation again, where now that they've now they've intentionally said that they're going to have that arbitrary stipulation as you were laying right. out. I mean, like, what what's next? Are they, are they going to well, DQ a last man I'll, standing match? Or are they going to? I'll tell you what's next. There's already booked at Nassau Coliseum in Long Island next week. They and they advertise us on this show: Fiend versus Seth in a steel cage. So not only did they whip it out too soon, Nick whipped it out. To, oh, boom! There it is. We whipped it out. 
Hell in a Cell, Fiend versus Rollins. But then it's been slowly shrinking back into their zipper ever since. Oh, yep. wait, now now uh, there's no way to stop the match. Oh, or, or, shrink some more. Okay, now it's a steel cage match. Or, or, shrink some more. And we'll just probably have like a straightforward just, you know, full rules match in two weeks. And it's just going it, to – the whole thing has just been a, a wreck. A wreck. I can't believe the way that they have mishandled this. Yep. It's yeah, – actually, I, I can't can. see it. It's not on the it. level. Okay, it's a it's a turn of phrase. I understand. I, I totally can believe it too. <laughs> oh, oh, oh God, it's it's not as badly botched as the Roman Reigns murder angle, but it's getting there. It's getting there. Um, and ultimately, if this destroys the Fiend character or if this really undercuts him, it may actually be worse because it already, it already has. And, they had, and if you when you tie in the fact that Seth has also found the Firefly Funhouse and burned it down, literally. <sighs> um, uh, and then they even made a call out to on video this week of um, uh, Randy Orton burning down the his yeah. the Wyatt man, uh, shack, whatever it was, right? I th- the fact that they're steering into that is what concerns me, and I don't know if Bray has just pissed somebody off. Still, if it's Vince himself, the fact that they spent the entire summer with Firefly Funhouse building this thing, and we finally got the reveal of The Fiend, and this quick, like we were saying when he first came out, we were saying, keep it in your pants. Do you want to know something? Yeah. I don't think that it has anything to do with Vince hating this. I think it has to do with Vince liking this too much, and if you want any more example of Vince screwing things up that he likes, I offer you the next segment we have to talk about in the show, Okay, and that is Chad Gable. Chad Gable had a match versus Curtis Axel, he beat him pretty quickly with a uh, ankle lock. And then after the match, he was interviewed in the ring. And they said, you know, you're now coming out being announced as Shorty Gable. Why is that? And he said, you know, people have been bullying me for my whole career and saying that I'm short. You know what? I accept who I am. I'm not going to run from it anymore. I'm going to face it. And I'm, I'm going to call myself Shorty Gable. In fact, that's even too long. Let's, let's shorten it to, it finally happened, Nick. Let's shorten it to Shorty G. The thing that we speculated back in August that they were going to, when they trademarked that name and we said, oh God, you're not going to do this to him. You're not going to call him Shorty G. It finally happened. Yep. They're called him Shorty G. So aside from the obvious horror that we all had when this was finally, this finally happened on this show and the, the kind of the slow sinking of our stomachs, our collective stomachs as they were inevitably rolling towards this, uh, what do you think now that they've officially gone Shorty G? The way that he per, you know, he sort of put it out there as a as like a self body acceptance kind of thing. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, I'm short. I'm Shorty G. Ha ha! Isn't this fun? But yet, Nick, he's getting a major push. He's on Team Hogan. He's winning squash matches. He's coming out and and saying this anti bullying stuff, sounding like Nia Jax and body positivity in 2017. What this is of Vince McMahon push. Vince obviously likes the guy. He wants to do something with him. And this is his way of, I guess, laughing at, ha ha, isn't this funny? But at the same time, like, this will get you over, kid. Let me put it this way. Because um, this is what I've read into it. You know, outside opinion, different opinion, right? Uh, Chad Gable, the wrestler, in a red, white, and blue singlet alongside Jason Jordan, right? Got where they did, and then it went nowhere. And then the last right. few years, it's gone absolutely nowhere. 
Try something new. I like this. I like experimentation. It seems to be getting a good response. He's into it. Uh, it's a very facey thing for him to be doing. And he's still Chad Gable, the wrestler that we know and love. He's just got a quirky nickname that they're, he, they're quirky steering nickname. into a little bit. A quirky nickname. Listen, Chad Gable, the packaged wrestler of uh, American Alpha, didn't work out. We got to move on. We got to let that go. It's still the same guy doing all the flippy shit and the moves and the strength wrestling and the beautiful Northern Light suplexes and all that stuff. That's still Chad Gable. I, I, I'm fine with this for right now. Let's see how it, it works didn't out. work out because they didn't let it work out because they didn't push him. I understand. When you that. you can't but look. They are at, now. You can't look at a horrible gimmick and say, "Oh well." They didn't get him over with another gimmick or a great gimmick. At least he's getting this terrible gimmick. Can I? And and it's getting some airtime. That's not how this works. Okay. You can have like we'll discuss this more when we get to AEW and when we talk about Marco's stunt. All right. This because this was yep. very relevant to to Marco's stunt. A lot of the controversy that happened this week with him. All right. If you'd call Rey Mysterio, uh, you know the shorty Latino kid way back in the day, which is what big argument this week was Rey Mysterio was like the original little guy, and now Shorty he's Ray. a freaking legend. Shorty Ray, yeah. sure. Whatever. Uh, you know, that's that, would he be Rey Mysterio now? I don't know. I don't... <laughs> I highly doubt it, because he was having trouble just being Rey Mysterio. Yeah. So, no, this is, here's the thing. I, I understand what you're saying, but that's like saying putting Enzo Amore on 205 Live was a good idea because it needed more character on 205 Live. Did people pay more attention? Yes. Did it also make the entire Cruiserweight division a joke? Yes, it did. And there are ways to get people over without having these ridiculously insulting nicknames that only make one 73-year-old man laugh. Because <laughs> he's short, get it? Like, there's other ways to do this. This we is we don't have to the me, time to debate asinine. the merits of Enzo Amore versus Chad Gable and their abilities, but I, I think it's different. I'm I, not talking about it, their abilities. I'm talking about how they how they're promoted, how they're sold, sure. how they're pushed. It's a name. It is what it is. I'm rolling with it for now. I still like Chad Gable. Well, I I'm gonna still, still like call him. him I'm gonna call him Chad Gable. You can call him Shorty G all you uh, want. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Hashtag be a star. Right. All right. Well, next up, we had uh, the New Day and Heavy Machinery teaming up in a two tag team challenge against Rudolph and the Revival. Uh, Nick, there was no point to this other than they were promoting the uh, tag team turmoil match at Crown Jewel. It was fun. There was lots of hip swiveling. And uh, ultimately, <laughs> uh, New Day beat uh, the Revival. So, you know, yay. I wish that there had been a point to the whole making pancakes with the protein powder video thing that they had uh, before this match went on. What do you mean what, there was no point? You, you're talking about where uh, Otis came up, uh, like the New Day's talking in the back and Tucker knows come up and Otis is making some pancake mix. Only he's put protein powder in it and the New yeah, Day is pour horrified. like a whole thing of creatine in it and then he just pours the whole mixing bowl up and drinks it and it falls all in his beard. And I wish he had come out to the ring with all of that still in his beard. It would have been funny. If you're gonna make funny shit like that, just keep it keep it rolling, right? Have him some. If he's gonna be this comedy sideshow act instead of a, the legit one of the top contending wrestlers from the state of Wisconsin in his time, if you're gonna make him a joke, at least get the joke come out to the audience. I, I actually know? take it back, Nick. They might not listen, and here's how I know: it's because if they did listen, they'd all have hired you by now, because that's exactly yeah. the sort of the crap. 
that they would actually do on WWE TV had they thought about it. That's terrible. No, yeah. I, they, I, th this was funny. It should have stayed in the back. I'm so glad that it did. This was, this was more just kind of silly slapstick comedy stuff. Uh, you know, New Day back there shucking and jiving and Otis and Tucker being the, the new bushwhackers. It's whatever. It's, I've accepted it's fun. it and it's, moved it's on fun. at this it's point. Funny, it is what it is. But it's, it's silly. It's silly. Um, I also thought it was hilarious how desperately the, the uh, commentary was trying to put over Dolph saying, he's at the peak of his career. He's more focused than he's been in a long time. It's welcome back, Dolph. And I'm like, you're kidding me, right? He's in a tag team with Bobby Roode. And he's in a meaningless four-team tag match, and he's the peak of his career. <laughs> yeah. The other thing I'll say about this is how quickly they Come have moved on. on. How quickly they have moved on from Kofi Kingston. Holy crap! It right? He's right. Like right, I'm, I'm looking around, down. going just dancing again and eating pancakes and unicorns and all that stuff, and no, no yeah. championship fire. No, None. I'm pissed off. I'm no, nothing. I know. I got the power of positivity. Why should I be mad about losing the freaking championship, which I told people for months was the highlight of my career, the greatest thing that ever happened to me? Oh, I don't care. I'm positive. You mean you're back down to the mid-card, shucking and jiving, put on a minstrel show because you're Kofi Kingston in the New Day, and that's what Vince wants you to do. The whole thing was a joke, and how dare we ever have believed in it. And I believed in it, man. I was all in on Kofi mania. I thought it was fantastic, and boy, I, I'm so sorry that I, I, I invested so much in it. I'm, I, if you can't tell, Nick, that's one of the things that's like, it's under my fingernails right now. I'm yeah. so bad that New Day's back to their old shtick, and the whole Kofi thing has been forgotten. Yep. It, it makes me insane. New Day, in my opinion, is one of the greatest acts in professional wrestling right now. Kofi Kingston, you know, whatever you thought of him as a champ, he deserved better than that as a, as a finish to that storyline because the beginning of that storyline was so amazing. One of the best modern babyface uh, championship runs that I can remember. Like since Daniel Bryan. Obviously, that's an easy comparison to make. But Right. Oh, uh, so I'm, yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little peeved at that. So y'all forgive me if I'm being a little hyperbolic about it. At any rate, uh, the last thing on SmackDown this week, this is what I'm interested to get your opinion on, Nick, because these are two of your boys. Okay. Braun Strowman is being uh, fluffed up for his fight with Tyson Fury. He's being made to look like a monster. They had a video package showing all the destruction that he has created over the years, which was very entertaining. Very good video package. Made him look okay. like a beast, tearing stuff up. Yeah. So he came out, and he was going to have a match with Drew Gulak, recent cruiserweight champion. A uh, great technical wrestler, uh, good on the mic. And Drew Gulak said, you know, Braun, before you kill me, I want you to know that I don't want you to just go into the Tyson Fury fight like some sort of monster just out there to give him these hands. And Braun took a little bit of offense to that and said, Drew said, hold on, hold on, hold on. I have a 345-slide PowerPoint presentation <laughs> to help you understand this. And before we get to slide two, Braun grabbed him, literally mauled him until he was bloody, and then beat him and said, are you looking Tyson Fury? And crushed, just squashed Drew Gulak. I, here's, here's the question. Two, I have two questions, two-part two question. Is this what happens when Vince gets his toys back? He finally got his hands back on Drew Gulak. Now that Gulak's not on 205 Live, he's on SmackDown. He's not on 205 Live anymore. Vince takes him right back to PowerPoint presentation, Drew Gulak, and he squashes him. Is that is that what happens when Vince gets his toys back? Is that what you wanted to see from Drew Gulak now that he's back being written by Vince McMahon? Because these are your boys. This is Braun and Drew. 
Yeah, right? I, I didn't I didn't hate this. Okay. Um I I so let me let me let me get this out. I understand what it. they need to do. They need to build that Tyson Fury and Braun Strowman thing. As much as we all hate the Saudi Arabia stuff, right? They've committed at this point. They need to build it. I I didn't hate that they're trying to do something different with Drew, but going back to the PowerPoint thing, I actually used to enjoy that part of him when he would come out in the dick heel in a suit with a PowerPoint presentation. I but him moving on into the rocky robes and the boxing robes and coming out as submission specialist and all that stuff, I feel like he didn't really have a character when he's not champion. At least the dick heel in a suit with a PowerPoint presentation and just being a smarmy heel, that's kind of he's got a character going on and he can be part of other things. If it's the PowerPoint thing that bothers us, what else could he be doing? That's that's what I would. That mm-hmm. I think it's something unique. It, it's something we hadn't really seen before, um, and I, I, that's why I appreciated it. it. Should it still be going today? Probably not. They could probably come up with something else. I don't hate it. That's here's all I here's what say. I have to say to that, and that is that on one hand, I agree in the sense that Vince McMahon believes that character gets you over more than wrestling. And he's not 100% wrong on that. You need to have some sort of character to hook the audience. To con- like, You can just be a person that goes out there and is charismatic, right. but at a certain point, you need to have more than that. And there is an element of that that I think he's right about. And I, you know, I, I will call a spade a spade. I'll, I'll give credit where it's due. Sure. There have been times where Vince McMahon has said, no, we're going to give you more of a character and a personality, and it was the right decision, and it was the right thing to do. The problem is, is that he's given a lot of people, quote-unquote, characters, and those are very one-note, and then he stops being entertained by it, and they just go bye-bye. In recent memory, you can talk about the B-team. That's a character. That's a gimmick. That's a thing. Went nowhere. I've got kids. Heath Slater. Went nowhere, right? Like, that's... these are As long as it's just, like, one character trait, and that's all you are, at a certain point, it's going to get really stale, and when it's stale with Vince McMahon, and he forgets about it, poof, you're back down to Nowheresville. Yeah. So th- I, I understand what you're saying there, and it's I don't think I I think that ha- Gulak having the whole PowerPoint presentation thing as a fallback of his character is fun. It's a good aspect to have, but it's really easy for him to become smarter than you, Damian Sandow, and get pigeonholed, and yeah. then have a career kind of like Damian Sandow's in WWE, where you know aside from Mizdow, really unremarkable. And then you're gone. Yeah. So yeah, I I, I'm, I'm worried about this. That being said, I it's funny. I really do want Drew Gulak to come back after Braun gets knocked out in Saudi Arabia and go, you should have listened to me, dude. I was trying to help you. You had it right there. And you didn't do it. Yeah. But anyway, so that was SmackDown for this week, Nick. Uh bit of a down i think i was i i may have come off as a bit more down on the show than i actually was as i said i thought there was a lot of uh you know well-worked matches and exciting matches but just overall from a creative standpoint it was a bit of a letdown is that how you came out of it as well or yeah for the most part i mean it's going to be interesting to see what they do next week when they've got crown jewel i'm sorry two weeks from now when they've got crown jewel and then friday night smackdown immediately the next night like, how right. are they going to get all their people back from the other side of the world to do a show on Fox the following night? I, that's going to be interesting. Ooh, so, I hadn't thought about that, but that is brutal. Yeah. Thursday night is the 31st, which is when Crown Jewel is uh, in two weeks. A week, two weeks from a couple days ago. 
um, not a week from Thursday. But then you got Friday night SmackDown the night after. Are you gonna Are you gonna fly everybody back? It takes like eighteen hours to get over there. Yeah. Do they record it? Is that when they're having their London show? I got to look again. I know they're having an international show around that time. Mm. They might be recording European tour abroad. stuff. You're talking about? Uh, no, because they are coming back to New York for the fourth. But if, they, I, if I remember correctly, they right. might have a stopover like in London or something. So they might have a stop on the way back. So it wouldn't be 18 hours, if that that'd makes sense. Cool. I, have yeah, look, be, I have to look. That'd be see. clever I, if they pulled that off. But yeah. Well, I, don't think, I think it just makes sense. It does, yeah. <laughs> that being said, Nick, that was it for SmackDown. We have to go over and talk about Wednesday night, starting off with AEW. Well, this match, this show was was built around a match uh, with a with some stakes. Lots of stakes were happening, and I want to say this to start off the show. Um, there's been a build. There's been a lot of complaints about lack of storyline or a completely different show and all that kind of stuff. References to WCW, all that stuff around the last three weeks of AEW. First of all, I want to say it's been three weeks. Give them a chance. Secondly. Uh, this was probably the most fun that I've had in all three of the weeks. And I've been feeling things escalating each week getting here. And the yeah. introduction of things like AEW Dark and the continuation of the other YouTube content on the auxiliary has done nothing but amp me up more to go and watch uh, AEW. I will admit right here on the show, I watch AEW live. Yeah. I, will, I go back and watch NXT next. I know what to expect from NXT. I know what I know what NXT is going to bring me. Yeah. We don't really know what the barometer is yet for AEW. And so. I also I also want to make something clear, and that is that like I I'm trying to look at these shows and not be biased towards one company or another because at the end of the day I really don't want to be. I'm just looking at these objectively yeah. as TV shows, as wrestling sure. shows, and saying what is what are they doing right. What are they doing wrong? And frankly, AEW is doing a bunch of things right. There's a few things they're doing wrong, but they're doing more right than wrong. This week, I thought SmackDown did more wrong than right. That's just my opinion. I thought a couple right. weeks ago, Raw was crushing it, uh, and now it's not. That's just how it is. AEW this week, I thought, was an incredibly solid show. I also thought NXT was an incredibly solid show. Yep. I was most entertained this week by AEW. They had a bunch of really exciting matches. They set up a lot of possibilities that were exciting. They had storylines progress due to how they booked their matches. Sure. And that's the thing I want to underscore here. Not only did they do that, but they added stakes into matches that otherwise wouldn't have had any stakes, and those stakes played out in how the matches played out. And we'll get to that one. But first, I, I want to talk about the match that you're talking about, the championship match between Chris Jericho and Darby Allen. Darby Allen, a guy who in, 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 in WWE, Darby Allen would uh, probably play somebody's son. Or, uh, <laughs> okay. or he'd be known as, as Shorty A. But uh, here, he actually gets to go and have a match with the champion and not only look competitive, but look like he's taking it to Chris Jericho. Get, com get the audience completely on his side. And ultimately take just a brutal beating, get his arms taped together behind his back, duct taped together behind his back, and yet still manage to mount offense on Chris Jericho while having his hands taped. And if you, if you know Darby Allen, this is not a new trick. He did, he's been doing the hands tied behind his back uh, offense for, I believe, the last time I saw it was 
with Ethan Page in progress. Some 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 British company, I believe. But I've seen him do it before. But he's now on a big stage. He's being watched by a million people doing it. And my God, it was effective, Nick. Yeah, well, the first, and first to the point was, that even Chris Jericho uh, got out and said, I've been on the job for 29 years, and I've never seen anything like this before. Congrats, Darby Allen, you're good, but not good enough to be Le Champion. Yeah, Le but, Champion. So even after, even after they have that, that match, I'll let you have your own opinions on it. Um, even after that, Chris Jericho, in his true heel character, breaks out of it to come and congratulate Darby Allen himself. Uh, on Instagram with with that match, highlighting yep. the stuff that he, he being able to pin him in a lateral press with his hands tied behind him, his back. <laughs> yeah, right. Like like, look, Orange Cassidy does some crazy stuff with his hands in his pockets. Right. But I think Darby Allen won up them with some of the stuff he was doing. Uh, the other thing that I want to I want to point out about this is I have a really interesting uh, sample size with with AEW because I go into work and because TNT replays AEW all night long. I have that shit up on the TVs in my bar, and I get to see all of these people. You know, one out of every 20 knows anything about wrestling. Right. And so I get to see a whole bunch of people who maybe they've never seen wrestling. Maybe they have never uh, really watched it, but they know of it, right? Maybe they've heard an inkling of it, or they, you know, they know the attitude error, that sort of thing, like varying degrees of awareness. Yeah, they know who but the Rock and Stone Cold are, but sure. beyond that, yeah. But or they might even know Jericho. I had people that knew Jericho, but sure. had ne- hadn't watched in you know fifteen years. But they watched this. Uh, this match was captivating people, and I had the whole show on. And there was other parts people were kind of glancing over at. But this, the whole bar turned and watched this match. At the point where he got his hands tied behind his back, I had it. I had a good three quarters of the bar watching and cheering for Darby Allen. This dude reached through the TV and got a whole bunch of non-fans to cheer him because of what he did in this match. And that's something I really want to underscore is over is over. And that's I'm, I'm quoting Jericho there as well. He's talking about Marco's stunt with that, but that's applicable here too. Yeah, Over is over. Darby Allen is over. He got himself over in this match. He, they both absolutely crushed it. This was a great match. Um, as good as Darby's match was with Cody, this was night and day, head and shoulders better. Uh, I can, I'm can. i very curious to see where they go with Darby from here because I think that he got over in a major way with this match. This match so. and the previous one with Cody. You know, you mm-hmm. can, I don't discount anything he's done, pre- not to mention the triple threat with Jimmy Havoc. Uh, so, I mean, there, there's and the other stuff that's been going on. He has found a home, finally. And I think that's one of the things that I'm excited about for him. In the position that he's in, I love his paint. His, he had the paint on him with champ, 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 champ written everywhere. Yeah. All over the, the right side of it, left side of his body. Fantastic. The, yes. I, I absolutely loved this match. There was, I, don't, I didn't see anything wrong with this. Uh, I fully expect to see Darby Allen in the championship picture very, very I can, soon. I can nitpick and say that, you know, Darby yeah. Allen's mountain offense with hands behind his back. And of course, arbitrarily, Jake Hager comes in, wipes him out, and you know, then Chris Jericho taps him out. But. You know, okay, so it's a schmoz finish. Fine. We all knew that Darby Allen wasn't going to win this thing. I just wish that – I kind of wish it had been a little bit cleaner. But, again, nitpick, nitpick, nitpick. Right. I can also nitpick the fact that Jericho's pain maker get up, his makeup is just – it's ridiculous, especially when you're facing somebody 
who looks like the anthropomorphic embodiment of Hot Topic, like like Darby Allen does, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's Hot like Topic Eminem. Right. You're trying too hard, Jericho. You're trying too hard to be one of the kids, my man. Yeah. Chill out. It's doesn't. It's not. You're not going to pull it off. You're not going to be. Uh, you know, Clockwork Orange meets the Crow. Like it's. It's not. It's not working. Let it go. Don't. Don't do the makeup. Everything else is working about you. Uh, when you face someone like Darby Allen, it shows how goofy it is. It, again, a nitpick. This yeah. was fantastic. Um, I loved this match. And this I was also just like that, that Jericho doesn't always wear the eye the eye black the 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 face right. Paint. No, I like it. that he brings it out at certain times, and I'm I'm wondering if there's something to that. And I think we just have to keep watching to find out. He was yeah, doing he it, it almost. Matches. Yeah, he was doing for it almost for championship matches. Well, yeah, he was doing it almost every time though in in New Japan. Like for well, every time it was a big match. Right. So I'm I'm thinking that that's like you know if you're a ball player you put the eye black on on your cheeks you know uh, so I'm wondering if if there's something else to that if it gives him some kind of extra. Power. I mean, we've never really heard that. If there's a story behind that, or if it's I just think he's he's watching too many superhuman videos, and now he's like, oh, I'm both a juggalo and a juggalette. Oh God! Hope you like it. <laughs> Jerica Jerica Guggalo. I don't know. Jerica Guggalettes. Jerica Guggalos. Jerica Uh So we also, as you mentioned, Nick, we had some other matches on the show that that. We're also fantastic. Omega, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page, tag team against John Moxley and Pac. Oh, this one made me tingle even thinking about it. Put it, put it in my veins. Put it straight <laughs> in my veins. I love the inner, the they set up all the characters before that. Omega and Hangman completely on the same page. Yeah. Moxley and Pac totally not from the start of this match. And at a certain point, you know, Kenny Omega and Moxley just hate each other too much at this point. Oh, yeah. uh, and so of course, at some point, they go into the ring and get their barbed wire implements. I'm sorry, the barbed wire broom that Kenny Omega has is still ridiculous. It's, it's a little silly. It's absurd, but <laughs> fine, fine. It gets the but point across. Here, this is the point I really want, I, of anything that happened this week, this is the moment that made me throw my hands up and go, yes, yes. Okay, this match had no stakes. There's nothing to it. There was no point to it, right? No, there was, we, knew that, we knew that Moxley and Omega have a feud, yeah, you right. can draw some Hang, conclusions Hangman like that. Hangman and Pac some auxiliary have stuff. a feud. Right, yeah. but really, nope. It was the same as Reigns and Bryan versus Nakamura and Corbin, okay? On paper. Except when they, came, when they got into the ring, when Moxley and Omega got in the ring with their barbed wire weapons, Pack jumps in and grabs Moxley's weapon and said, don't you dare get me disqualified. I have a win-loss record to keep a... You know, to keep a uh, an eye on like I've got to I've got to maintain my winning record that w- there was the stakes this that was the undercurrent of storyline in this match yeah was can Moxley and Pack get along because if they can't they both get a loss in the record as we found out Moxley doesn't give a crap about win loss Pack does so we find out something else about their character Moxley flips off Pack and he hits him with the uh, with his dirty deeds or what or death death driver or whatever death he's calling it now. Or something. Death rider. Yeah. Um, I thought death rider was the elevated version. Whatever. Nah, he hits him know. with he hits him with a double arm DDT and right. walks off. Chicken wing DDT. And <laughs> and, uh, and pack is it wasn't chicken wing. He's not putting his hand behind his well, back. He's up over. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Um. So and packs left to have his bones picked by Omega and Hangman, which they do, and Pack gets his first loss in AEW. 
So all of a sudden, at the end of this match, we've now Pac has beef with Moxley. Now Pac, you know, now Moxley still has beef with Omega. Hangman beat Pac, so now he's got one up on Pac. So Hangman still has beef with with Pac. Wow! And they did all that by just having that win loss record mean something in about ten I, minutes. I want to underline it didn't that. last for a long time. Like it was no, it was done so well and so efficient. And now you've got storyline for the next three months. If but not it longer. shows how lazy WWE is. This this was all. I mean, they had to put almost nothing into this to get all of that out of it. Yeah. Right? Right. Like, that's what I really want to underline. Every time that I'm on this show talking about storyline, 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 details matter, this, this right here is what I'm referring to. In case you haven't noticed it yet, also, when they put their names up on their lower third title cards on on the TV show, you can see wins and losses very small at the bottom. So they're tracking all this stuff, and they're throwing it in your face. As they should. In a way that, to, to illustrate that it's important. And I, I really like that. They are showing you win-loss records both on TV. I think the difference was TV and pay-per-view. There were two different win-loss records, if I remember right, on the left and the right of their title cards. I just don't remember what... I, I feel like they were unique in a certain way. Maybe one was pay-per-view, one was TV. I don't know. I'd, I'd have to go back and check. Chat, let us know if at you... The uh, end of you the day, at the end of the day, statistics. Yes. You know, hey, man, anyone who's into sports at all loves statistics. Yes. They have this whole industry that runs statistics on sports. And you can get some of the craziest statistics out of all of this data they've been mining for years and years and years. And they do it all the time on, on all the sports programs where they've got some crazy stat that they bring out. Yeah. You know, oh yeah, this guy, he's, only, he's 98% pitching to left-handers in a downpour in Atlanta, right? Crazy stats like that. We right. love stats. And this is just a little bit, but here now stats... Even these like minute little stats that they're keeping consistent are affecting matches and making us care about the outcomes sure. and making us learn things about the characters. So hats off to AEW. That is, that is something that I think everyone, everyone can learn from is what they did here in this match. Yep. Uh, we also had the tag team tournament rolling on. We had a couple of matches for that this week. SCU had a match with best friends, but... Before the match, it was supposed to be Christopher Daniels and Kazarian. Before the match even started, Lucha Brothers come out and attack Kazarian and Daniels, and Pentagon gives Daniels a pile driver on the ramp, which lays him out. They throw up the X, and he gets taken away on a stretcher. Uh, and Scorpio the Bucks Sky. and a couple of doctors come out to check on. Like this yep. was, I think this was legit. I'm hoping he's okay, but so this is the, my opinion on it is. They worked it for the show, but he had a legit injury. Is okay. from what I understand, he has a legit pinched nerve. But uh, uh, but from what I understand, it wasn't from this move because if you if you look at how they played this, it was really. I mean, even having you know Knox turn around and say to Scorpio Sky in the camera, "Yeah, he can't do the match. You're gonna have to do the match for him." And Sky going, "All right, I will." Like it was. It was all a little too worked out there. But I'm in my street clothes. And throwing, he threw the, he didn't like kind of subtle throw the X. He threw the X up into the camera. Everyone knows what the X means now. Like it's being used for storyline. From what I understand, Daniels does have a pinched nerve. But uh, but this right here was not the cause of it. Pentagon did not injure Christopher Daniels. That's Although dangerous through, to blur that line and bring the X into kayfabe if that's not, the case. Not, but they have been for a long time. WWE's okay. been doing it as well. It's been All happening right. for a while. 
But uh, that being said, if there's anyone you want to give the aura of danger to, it's Pentagon. Remember how dangerous he felt in Lucha Underground when he was breaking people's arms? Absolutely put that on Pentagon. Also, it made Scorpio Sky look like a god. He came out of this match looking like a million bucks. SCU went from being like somewhere in the middle of a heel face to their faces now. The audience was freaking out over that. And best friends are supposedly faces too. And, you know, Trent at one point, I thought he was going to be a huge deal in New Japan. So I don't know what's happening with him. Maybe the, they'll get pushed later on. I hope they do. Yeah. But yeah, this is definitely, this was, this was anointing SCU as big time crowd, uh, crowd fan favorites, getting them over big time yeah. for this match. Shout out and to Christopher are, Daniels. Hope you're on. okay, brother. Yeah. And they are moving on to, uh, to face Dark Order in the next round. Uh, I'm curious if the Luchas are healed because then they went on and had a match versus Jungle Boy, and it was supposed to be against Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, but apparently Luchasaurus got injured two hours before the show. He had a hamstring injury of some sort. They didn't want him to aggravate it. So two hours before the show, they told Marco Stunt, little Marco Stunt, that you've got to go out and do this match. And Marco Stunt might be the smallest non-little person wrestler wrestling right now. The dude legit looks like a nine-year-old. Yeah. Um... And this was probably one of the most controversial matches that I saw this week, Nick, where this this blew up on social media. Cornette just crapped all over it, said it was the worst tag team match he'd ever seen. Uh, a lot of people were saying that, oh, Stunt's too small to be believable, and that he and Jungle Boy going out there and getting offense on the Lucha Brothers was ridiculous. What did you think about it from where you sat? Because I thought it was great. I thought it was... I didn't think it was great. I thought it was fine. I, I liked how they swerved us in two different ways with these matches based on injuries, quote-unquote. If they're legit, great. If not, they are, they are. Um, but I, I liked the fact that, you know, it's the traditional David and Goliath story. You've got two big, scary luchadors like the, the, the Lucha Bros facing off against these two little guys without their dinosaur. Jurassic Express without the... Is Jurassic Express still Jurassic Express without the dinosaur? I don't know. But I think uh, just, these, it's just Express. <laughs> right. But when when Marco got up on Jungle Boy's shoulders, I thought that was a cool moment. Like, they still believed. You right? know, they, and they didn't show this. It was during commercial. It was during commercial. Pentagon was on the ramp when they, when they were coming to the ring. And he looked at Marco Stunt and said, why are you here? You are not Luchasaurus. You are Babysaurus. That's funny. You know? I thought, I thought it was, you know, there's something to be said for giving, for, for showing hope. Right? At, at the worst of odds. Right? And it's one of the facey things you can do. You you display hope and courage. Yeah, right? and, underdog and so, babyface. Exactly. Uh, so putting Marco Stunt up on Jungle Boy's shoulders to emulate what Luchasaurus would do to be a power move of some kind. Yeah, it didn't work out so well, but it was still you know a thing. <laughs> no, and I, and I appreciate that for what it is, especially for the kids watching, the kids at home, and things like that. Like that's the kind of stuff that is good and wholesome, and you know, oh shucks, they're so good. It's. It also amplifies just what dick heals the, the Lucha Bros. Are. Yeah, and, 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 and I think it was, they need that. And it was kind of a. It was. A, it was also classically booked, where you know the Lucha Brothers come in all cocky and get surprised by how good Marco Stunt and Jungle Boy are. But at the yeah. end of the day, they're just better. They're bigger. They're stronger, and they win. And they did. And they squashed them at the end. It was kind of a an elaborate squash match. But at the end of the day. That's a, that's classic booking. The only beef I had with this match was uh, the illegal tag where, where 
Pentagon was inside in the corner and Phoenix tagged him in. Right. But whatever. I'm, again, at, that to me is just a, like, all right, fine. That sucks, but it's a, it's a nitpick. But, uh, but they, you know, there was a lot to like in this match. I thought Marco got over. Um, people loved his offense. You know, they hadn't seen him before. Uh, Jungle Boy is over as hell. I loved, and there's little things like uh, Ref Aubrey getting in Pentagon's face during this match. Like, there was a lot to like here. I don't, I do not understand why people can see an entertaining match like this one that has that every everything's there. You have stakes, you have story, and they all they want to do is just pick apart aspects of it that people who are in it have no control over. Marco's yeah. little looks like a nine year old. Okay, but did he go out there and? put moves on these guys within the confines of the story you know yes he's smaller he's going to do a whole bunch of high flying moves and do things that they're supposedly quote unquote not expecting and ultimately they're going to beat him did he fill that role yes what are you complaining about and look at how fun it was to watch pentagon and phoenix do their crazy luchador shit with a tiny little guy and how they, easy oh it was God. for him to throw for them to throw him around like that and do those exactly so take it for what it is Come on, Cornette. You know, just don't be so mad at it, and just enjoy it for what for the exhibition that it is. You're yeah. the the guys that are really getting over here are both teams in their own unique ways. Yeah, that's what I saw uh, out of it. Again, and you know, as someone who saw this with a, a whole room full of casuals and non-viewers, a lot of people were like, "Oh, this is ridiculous! Look at that little child facing off against this grown man." Yeah, and then they started fighting, and they went, "Oh, little kids got moves." Yeah, and they were entertained. Did they buy it? Did they believe it? Not really. They don't have to. They don't. They were. Were they entertained? Yes. That's the point. Were you entertained? Yes. Boom. Done. That's for me. That's it. Yep. And that's kind of like what I said about SmackDown. Was I? I didn't like that they didn't have story for those matches. But did it absolutely pop the crowd and make them happy? Yes. And that's valid too. Yep. That's valid, and I take that into consideration. So, uh, at any rate, yeah. So they're out. Lucha Brothers move on, and uh, they. That, I, I'm excited to see what happens next week. Santana and Ortiz. Speaking of tag teams, they had a match with a couple with John Silver and Alex Reynolds. That was a squash match. Yeah. Uh, apparently, squash matches do happen in AEW. Santana and Ortiz will be facing the Bucks at Full Gear. Mm-hmm. Now that I remember the name of the pay per view. Full Fuel Rod. Fuel <laughs> uh, or full stop. rod, as we were discussing in chat earlier. Full, full rod, AEW full rod. Oh my, oh my, hello, MC uh, by Val Venus, <laughs> ladies. Hello, ladies. <laughs> what <laughs> when did, he, <laughs> did he become Grover? What did he create? He became Cookie Monster. What was that? I don't know. I love to eat cookies. Look, AEW yeah. was was badass this week. I, uh, I really, really, really liked it. Uh, what did you think about the Riho Riho versus Brett Baker match for the for the championship, the women's championship? So, so I'm I'm in this weird predicament. You know, I've I've never been that in. I've heard plenty about Joshi wrestling. I've never been that. Uh, I've never been one to go out and seek it out. Um, I've heard plenty about it. I, I'm, I'm having a little bit of a hard time with Nyla Rose, Britt Baker, Brandy Rhodes herself, um, and, and several others being in the division. I, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with the believability factor, but I almost don't want to care when it comes to that stuff. Wait, we're, same, where, where were we just talking about Marco Stunt? I agree. Uh, yes. But that's different when you're doing an exhibition that's fun versus a championship. 
So that's what I'm struggling with a little bit. Is like, is she the one that you want to anoint your first ever? And I guess the answer to, for them was yes. Yeah, and it she's wouldn't over. have been for me. She got um, over. Yeah. So I I feel like that at the end of the day, I ha- again, I, like I've preached to everybody else, we got to ride this out. Let's see yeah. how to see. Let's give this three to six months and see where things go because this could just be a setup for another storyline at the end. And of the I day. heard people. I heard people bitching about the Marco stunt match. Who were who were excited about Riho Nyla Rose and they loved that match. I'm like, you what? Do you want it both ways? What? What? Come on, give me a break. Riho Nyla Rose is way more unbelievable than Marco Stunt than the Lucha Brothers. Yeah, uh, in my opinion, but it was a great match. It was no. a fun match. Uh, she, Riho she is the winningest person. Absolutely earned that. Loved it. I I just yeah. I, I would have pushed Britt Baker up to be the first champion if it were me. Well, there's a I think there's a lot of work they need to do with the women's division in general. Yeah, but agreed. Uh, you know, it's it's got a waste. It's got a waste awesome to go. Awesome Kong, you know, have that. Uh, that could have been fun. If, if I think we're waiting on that. We're giving Riho some time with the belt first, man. Nah, not too. Um, long. But uh, but yeah, but she is the winningest wrestler in W in WWE. Whoa, in AEW. Excuse me, Sasha Banks. Uh, the winningest wrestler in AEW is Riho at six go. and one. Uh, finally, we had a little promo. Cody is excited to face Jericho at full gear. He had a nice promo. It's on YouTube as well. If you want to check it out where he talks about his legacy and what the belt would do for his legacy. Sorry, Cody, you're not winning at full gear. Okay. Uh, finally, the dark matches this week. You will, you will be able to see these on AEW. AEW. Sasha Banks is with me today, Nick. They'll be able to, you'll be able to see this on Tuesday on AEW Dark. Joey Janela versus Brandon Cutler. Nyla Rose versus Leva Bates. Shh. Young Bucks and Dustin and Cody versus Shima. Uh, T-Hawk and Private Party. That should be pretty awesome. Damn. All right. Um, and also, I don't. Th- I, w- I thought they were going to put it on AEW Dark, but then they just. I saw they put it up last night on their YouTube channel. If you've heard about this kid who's been in the front row dressed as Orange Cassidy, um, I've been calling him Satsuma Cassidy. People have been calling him Tangerine Cassidy. Yeah. Whatever. Little Orange Cassidy. Uh, they put this up after the after the uh, show. All of the, you know, Cody and Dustin and the Bucks and everyone were in the ring. And Cody went and got this kid out of the front row, put him in the ring. Kid never broke character, by the way. Kid never broke Orange, Orange Cassidy character. Even when he had MJF screaming in his face, uh, Cody called a, a ref out to the ring. Rick Knox comes out and lets the kid pin Cody. And everyone was asking oh. if it was going to count towards his win-loss record. MJF, by the way, was trying to attack the kid to keep him from pinning Cody. And then, ch- <laughs> and then chased Rick Knox up the ramp like, how could you do this? It, oh, classic. Oh, God. That, classic. It so, was a legit match. There was a referee. Wins and losses matter. Ref. You know? Wins and losses count. Yeah. So we'll, <laughs> we'll Apparently, see. he also got a title match with Jericho or something like that. I heard something title match well, they, about it. They, they, they joked about it afterwards. As Cody said, fine, put that kid on a plane. He's, he's going to be having a match with Jericho at full gear. Nice. So it was, it was a little bit of fun. But I don't know if they'll show it on dark. But if they don't. Check it out on YouTube. It's a, it's a good bit of fun. Uh, speaking of dark, if you haven't watched the uh, Omega Janela match yet from oh. this week, uh, I'm not going to spoil anything here. It, it's it's the match of the week. I'll spoil it, this. It's it's the best match that AEW's had so far in its weekly period. TV. Yeah, period. it might be one of the best matches they've had in including their pay per views. It's it's up uh, there. Cody Dustin was better. <laughs> it, I said shot. one of. I said not. Okay. The, <laughs> all right. All right. It's all right, one of the it. best matches I've seen them put on. Period. 
regardless well, speaking of, of speaking of excellent matches nick we'd be remiss if we didn't discuss some of the great stuff that happened over on nxt um I, I wasn't sure what to make about nxt this week i loved it and there were certain aspects i just kind of went okay, well, remember what? what i said at the top of the show today i said that this seemed to be a building week for NXT. This is this was a week where they were trying to put pieces in place on the old chessboard. Yep. And there was a lot of squash matches and a lot of, as you would call them, exhibition matches. People coming out and showing what they can do, trying to get over a little bit, saying, this is who I am, this is what I do. Now they're in place on the board. All right, And there was a lot of that this week. There was only yep. really, there was one really big match, uh, the main event of the show, which was fantastic. And then you had another match, which we were led to believe was of importance, but then because of a schmaz finish, it ended up having a whole new meaning and created a whole new angle that was very exciting. But let's get into it. Let's go. Let's go yeah. down the show. Let's not. Uh, let's not talk about it out of order. Let's go down the show on this one. But that's why we had so many short matches. Uh, for instance, we opened up with Tommaso Ciampa coming back from injury three months early, like a boss, and having a match with Angel Garza. Yes. The man who is here to have sex with your wife and, and your, your daughters and your sister. And your titles. Yes. yes. <laughs> and look at, my, look at my glorious stuffed pants and weep. <laughs> you will never be stuffed in the pants like this. Oh, uh, man. This I was wanted a, this to be more than it ultimately ended up too. being. Uh, it but was I, such I, a, but I understand why they, they needed to get Ciampa a big win you know, against one of the top contenders from the tournament. Uh, it was a breakout stars tournament. I, I understand what they were doing here. Plus, it was a get back from the backstage segment last week. I understand. It is so incredibly unfair. Usually, but I it is wanted the, this it to is be so Angel much Gaza. more. Angel Gaza is the one doing the screwing, not getting screwed. Yes. What is this? <laughs> Terrible. But yes, it was a very short match. Champa gave a new draping DDT to Angel Garza. What does it call it? The Willow's Bloom or something like that? Willow's Peak or something Willow's like that. I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> Willow's Peak. Not Willow's Peak. <laughs> He doesn't even have a, will, a Willow's Peak. He's a bald bastard. It's son of a bitch. Well, we don't know. We can't do that. He's face now. He we not, can't do that is anymore. He kind of, is he face? face? I don't know. <laughs> even Gargano doesn't know. They interviewed Gargano at one point in the show, and Gargano's like, oh, we'll wait and see. And I'm like, yeah, we'll wait and see. I mean, Garza is a heel. And I love, I love, by the way, don't mistake my Garza voice for hating Garza. I freaking love Angel Garza. I love everything about I, Angel Garza. I do. Everything. Oh my! The, the, I mean, it, for, as a wrestler, oh my! The sky's the limit with with his potential. Um, it, it, let's yeah. let's figure out how to package him the right way because that dude's whew, hashtag phrasing. You said package. I did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so Champa's back. He has a dominant win over Angel Garza. Um, I think it, where Garza as, is at is in, in his career. This is fine. Yeah, yeah. let him get squashed by Champa. Champa's sure. heading back to a, a major feud. Maybe with Gargano, maybe with somebody else. Maybe DIY will come back. We have yet to see, but Ciampa is back, and that's exciting. Uh, someone who is not back, apparently Velveteen Dream is legit injured. But uh, this week we did see that he got taken out by Undisputed Era. Uh, a really well-set-up backstage clip. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly comes out, throws a flash drive at the announce desk. They play the clip, and it's basically a post-beat-up where Undisputed Era like crawls off one of the production trucks like a bunch of hyenas, and Dream is laid out on the top of some uh, pallets and boxes, dead. And they say, this is what happens when you cross Undisputed Era. 
yeah, I guess I guess Dream won't be having that North American Championship match after all. <laughs> so Regal awesome. says, Regal comes around and says, all right, no Velveteen Dream. I'll make some lemonade out of lemons. Whoever wins the Keith Lee-Dominic Dijakovic match will be the number one contender for the North American title. So nice. now that match, which everyone's been anticipating, it's the fourth one, it's the rubber match, right? One, uh, one match was a no finish. Uh, Dijak won one, Lee won one. Now nah, it's a rubber match. Who's going to win? Whoever does gets a North American championship shot. Awesome. Awesome. All set up in one show. And then something weird happened, Nick. We're in the middle of the Lee Dijak match. They're doing more crazy big man stuff. Poison Ranas, just huge power bombs, flips that like frog splashes. Because of course, why not? Yeah, why not? Four hundred pound man doing a frog splash off the top <laughs> rope. It, it, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. He's limitless. Yeah, why not? Uh, I asked and, glory. and then, and then at the end of the whole thing, uh, Lee's got Dijak up like in a power bomb position on the on the turnbuckles. Roderick Strong runs in, hits him in the head with the North American Championship. Ding, 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 DQ. And Roderick's running back up the ramp like he's just won the, the WWE Championship. Like he's so proud of himself. Ha, ha, ha. Neither of you are worthy. And at that point, I was sitting there going, how does that help you, dude? You just, you just let Keith Lee win the match because Dijak got DQ'd because you hit Lee in the head. Wait, what? But wait, there's more. <laughs> okay, but they made it make sense because Regal came out and by the way, this is the best Regal that there is. This is this is oh, yeah. uh, angry Regal is best infuriated Regal. Infuriated Regal. Can I just commend the crow's nest that they have in NXT now? That I love people that new come setup, out yeah. like Dream came out last week. Right. <laughs> Regal just comes out. Hey, hey, you. Like he like he like teleported over there too, yeah. man. Like it was it was ten seconds. <laughs> Roderick Strong hit Keith Lee. Regal. And he's like, and all of a sudden he runs out on the. All of a sudden Regal's up there like, oh, you little swat. You think you're so sly. This is what I've got to tell you. Next week, Roderick Strong, you will face Keith Lee and Dominic Dijakovic in a three-way match for the North American Championship. You little swat. And I lost my One. shit. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. Put it in my veins. Yes. I know, we all know Strong's going to retain, but what a great way to continue the feud between Dijak and Lee Put them in a title picture. No, this was this was make one of them cost the other one the uh, the pin or something like that, and it just can, it resets, yeah. it reboots the feud back away yep. from the rubber match, right? Yeah. So yeah. while I didn't entirely understand the logic that Strong had here, whatever, it ended up I was happy and I didn't care because I was so happy with with the ultimate outcome here. Yeah. Uh, Credit to Butters so, too in the chat. Not to mention this makes it a triple uh, or a uh, no DQ match uh, in triple threat rules. So oh, here comes Undisputed oh, Era getting involved. Yeah, of course. And yeah. then you've got Lee and Dijak. So here's here's another thing I want to throw out there. Possible possible Surrey and Dangerous conspiracy theory. Putting on my putting on my uh, tinfoil hat over here. Back on the Indies before they were well after they were enemies and then before they were enemies again. Lee and Dijak were in a tag team called the Monstars. They were in a tag. Let me underline that. They were in a tag team. And if you don't want to have either of these guys go over the other one in singles matches, another thing you can do is put them back in a tag team yep. against the Undisputed Era. Well, have we that got, era we've got this thing this called match. War Games coming up here in about a month. Uh, you're thinking what I'm thinking. 
Yeah. So either you have Lee on one side and Dijak on the other side, and Dijak joins Undisputed Era, which, by the way, <laughs> now they have their big man. Or you have Lee and Dijak team back up and become a tag team and in a tag division that needs some new blood, yeah. frankly, now that the, the um, Street Profits are gone. Well, you've forgotten about the Forgotten Sons at this point, right? Who? Yeah. Okay. And uh, But yeah, so there's, I, I think there's a lot of possibilities and potential here. And unlike main roster, I actually have confidence they might pull it off. I don't so, know if I want them in a tag team again, though, to be honest with you. I want Dijak to be that Avendrago, just crazy man of, I want to let him run rampant. You don't think he can do that in a tag team as well? I mean, they could have singles matches, but I don't. I almost want them to have their own thing. They're both good enough to have their own thing. Let's. I mean, sure. If you divert them off and they do different, I don't. It, both will work famously. Those two guys are absolutely amazing. I just. Yeah. It's not what I want, so I'm ranting about it. I don't want them to be a tag team. I was like, there's lots of options, Nick. I just said that. There's lots of options yeah. that could happen here. That's just one of them, okay? And yes, Butters, Keith Lee will jump off of the friggin' cage at War Games. Yes. Oh, <laughs> oh no. That'll collapse the ring. <laughs> and also, Butters, I see you there, Butters too. Mon I know Monstars is copyrighted. I didn't say they were going to be Monstars again. I just said that's what they were called. They'll probably be... Yeah. They, that, there's, there's a reason why he's not called Dijak, and he's called Dijakovic. Right. Gazuntite. Uh... But yes, I, I think there's lots of possibilities with all of this. Very, very excite. Give me all of this. Mm -hmm. uh, we had a whole bunch of more short matches. We had uh, uh, Fabian Eichner and Marcel Barthel defeating uh, Lorcan and Birch, which is, you know, not surprising. You've got to put over uh, Imperium a bit, not just yep. Walter. Yeah. So that's fine. Io Shirai uh, defeated Caden Carter. Nice to see her getting some work. But uh, the real meat here was Io Shirai afterwards. Saying that she was going to, uh, she was going to get the number one contendership, and Belair and, and Ripley could, you know, step aside, Shove which off. brought yep. out Rhea Ripley, who said, "Next time my name is spit out of your mouth, I'm going to shut you up." <laughs> so now we've got Io Shirai, Bianca Belair, up on yeah. my arm. <laughs> great, great promo from Ripley. Yeah, Ripley, Shirai, Belair, all of them say they should get, be getting a title shot. Do we see a fatal four way here? And if so, is for this the a way title? to get the title off of Shayna? Yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd like to see a contenders match before we get a we throw all of them in with the title. I, I think Shayna's earned that where she doesn't need to be in a fatal four-way. She hasn't really done anything cross to be punished in that way where she doesn't well, even have to be pinned to lose her title. But I think if they had a triple threat with Ripley, Belair, and Shirai to prove who, uh, who it could be, I think that would be a great opportunity to have a, a number one contenders match. So I, I thought they did that with Candice LeRae uh, two, three weeks ago. I feel like it would be repeating that. That's, That's my the only point is that they, you've got three women that are now saying that they're at the top. You either have them have a triple threat, which we've just seen the last couple of times we've set up for Shayna to have a contender. We haven't seen a fatal four-way in a while. And I think that would be exciting with these four women. Yeah. That would be really exciting with these four women. I'd uh, like to see. And Rhea if you're going to take Rhea the title Ripley. off of Shayna and keep her strong, you take it off of her, and she doesn't lose the belt, so she can say, "I never lost my belt." Yeah, I'd like to see Rhea Ripley and Shayna Baszler in a "Let's do the last woman standing match" thing again, circa Oscar Nikki Cross. Rhea Ripley and Shayna and Shayna doing the last woman standing, I think, would destroy one of them 
yeah. if one it, of them loses. They, they would they would hurt one another. <laughs> well, I know. I mean, more that that it would hurt them from whoever a, a, didn't win. You mean. Yeah, it would hurt their yeah. career. It would not their character temporarily. Not you know, not yeah. huge, but it wouldn't be. I don't think that's the best idea. Is what I'm saying. Other ways to do it, but I do like the idea of these four women circling the title of anyone in the. You know, we were talking about how big the women's division really is in NXT right now, and the fact that you've got so many women at the top here, and we we're not even talking about some of the other ones, which we'll talk about in a second, that are in the division that could be inserted into a title picture. This is four really strong women at the top of your picture right here. Right. So good stuff. Yeah. Uh, Matt Riddle had a match versus Bronson Reed. I did see Bronson Reed got a standing ovation at NXT Seattle after this was taped. Wow. Uh, he had another match and got it. He's getting over. Uh, our boy Jonah Rock, he's going, he's going to be something. But uh, Riddle pretty much wiped the floor with him here. It was a lot of Riddle being have. strong. Yes, absolutely. As he should have. As he should have. But um, uh, see, Dolph, see, Dog Ziggler doesn't agree. Dog Ziggler okay. loves him some Jonah Rock. I, yeah. Yes, I know. I agree. Now, now hush up. I'll give you Lana later. Um, but, yeah, so this was Matt Riddle getting one over on Bronson Reed. Great. Bronson Reed's getting some more looks. Much like Angel Garza, I think he's got a, a big potential. Yeah. And this is just him getting some time with bigger guys, establishing the bigger guys are bigger guys. I think all those guys coming out of that breakout star tournament uh, have big futures in NXT. We've seen uh, yeah. we've seen Cameron Grimes have a few matches. Uh, we've now seen squash Bronson matches. Reed get over. Yeah. But, I Strangely mean, we, enough, he's the one getting the squash matches. Yeah. So like I, I'm, I'm excited about all these other guys uh, that are coming yeah. out of that Breakout Stars tournament. Um, not to mention, uh, I, I don't even remember his name. Killshot. Isaiah Scott, whatever it is. Swerve Scott. Swerve yeah, Scott, man. Yeah. Swerve, so, yeah, Swerve Scott and Dijak just had a, a matchup in Seattle, and uh, they both got busted open, but Dijak was just like crimson mask. Like wow. He got messed up. <laughs> yeah, I saw pictures of that. So Don't mess with Killshot, boy. <laughs> <laughs> he, was in, he was in war. He, he knows what the, the hell of war the, is. The hell of war match, yeah. Oof. Um, what do you think quick, about? Shout out to uh, yes. to Albert in the chat for the dollar in the tip jar. Thank you very Thank much, you, sir. sir. I really appreciate Thank it, you, sir. Did I see Thank Rule you. throw one in there earlier as well, or am I crazy? Uh, he was he was telling me the uh, link was broken. So ah, okay, got it, got it. Uh, what did you think about Tegan Knox? She had a match versus Tanara Conti, and uh, little rusty, little green. Uh, mm -hmm. It was my impression. Uh, other than that fine get her a match it's something that they could have just done in the pc i don't know if it was worthy of being on tv if i'm being completely honest but it's good to see tegan Knox back you don't wish double acl ruptures on anybody and uh, you know at the end of the day for her to have recovered the way that she has and the ability to come back in the ring with you know it's been a year i think since the tournament a little over a year maybe almost 18 months at this point yeah, for her to come out and have a match, fantastic. You know, and it's like Dakota Kai coming back the other day. You're just yeah, you're like you're rust. excited. You're excited about her being back out there. I'm excited for the potential of Tegan Knox. I just let's yeah. see if she can hold it together, shake some of the rust off, and because uh, otherwise it might have been the person she was working with as well. So yeah. uh, you know, it, it's we have it, we're we're up and down on Tenara Conti. So it, it, she was do, she was she was feeding very blatantly in this match. I, yeah. I thought I, I wasn't a fan of that, but again, you know, uh, it was what it was. Champa was shaking off ring rust as well. Yeah. Chance for them to get out there and do something. Uh, interesting. At the at the end of the match, you had Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai facing off with the Horsewoman. So maybe a team kick versus Horsewoman thing going on. I don't know. Uh, the two of them and Candice LeRae were posing backstage. So interesting possibilities there. Yeah. Uh, also, I do want to say a uh, good point in the chat. Jay Shuttlesworth, thank you for pointing out Rhea Ripley's shirt watch 
Rhea Ripley shirt. Rocks. Oh, we're doing Suicide this now. Suicide okay. Silence. That's Suicide right. Suicide Silence. Um, fantastic. Those guys have been in on my metal nights at my bar. They're awesome dudes. So yeah, big shout out to them. That's that's yes. very cool that uh, that she was wearing that shirt. So um, next we had uh, Killian Dane had a match where he just destroyed Boa. Poor Boa. That's his like third squash match in a row since the uh, the breakout tournament. He got a pretty strong video package here, though, building him up, he and did. I, I I like that. You know, I, I like promoting the stars and building people up and having those kinds of segments instead of just showing up. In we come back from commercial, we come back from a break, and they're in the ring, and here comes the guy that's going to squash the shit out of him. No, Boa got an actual introduction here, and we we got to learn about his background and his heritage, uh, the the Chinese heritage and all that stuff. So I I I, I wasn't too mad because previously he had gotten. You know, basically beat down because he was left in the ring to for Killian Dane to feast on. So now he gets a legit match, and he gets feasted on. <laughs> but he got feast, feasted on. He got feasted <laughs> exactly. on again. Oh man! Shout out to Anonymous for the three dollar and thirty cents Thank in the you. tip jar. Thank you very much. Thank much you, Anonymous. Thank you, do, you Anonymous. You do, yes, you do. You do great work with your. You you with are your, legion. With your you are anonymous. Yes. Yes. <laughs> remember, remember the fifth of November. Yes, exactly. Uh, so. Uh, finally, Killian Dane did get he. We don't know what he's doing. We're like I don't know where he's going, but he did get in Pete Dunn's face while Pete Dunn was on the way to the ring for his match. And Killian Dane got a couple of broken fingers for his trouble. So interesting, considering that Pete Dunn had a match with Damian Priest, and Damian Priest beat Pete. He beat Pete Dunn. Damian Priest beat now not not clean he kicked him in the nuts while the ref was scampering away from being hit by them but they like trapped her in the corner she like tried to get out of the way and damien priest hit a perfect nut shot while she wasn't looking uh for the win but what a great match this was nick yeah that this this over delivered in my opinion i was not expecting it to be what yeah. it was oh if you all don't know about punishment martinez yeah. Now you know. Pete Dunn versus yeah. Punishment. I mean, I think this is just the beginning too. Like we saw maybe thirty percent of what this match was capable of delivering with and that was two great. guys. It was, mm -hmm. and it was fantastic. I can't yeah. wait till they just turn them loose at a takeover event. I hope this is a legit feud that is going to build and build. Please let this continue. Well, that's what was. That's what I thought was interesting about Killian Dane is here you have Damian Priest going over Pete Dunn fairly convincingly, even with the nut shot. Um, you know, it was back and forth, and Priest comes out on top, looking, looking, smelling like roses. Uh, but what was Killian Dane doing there, getting punked by Pete Dunne? That that was something that that was like, okay, what's their plan there? Um, I like the possibilities here. Uh, if there was a, a, some sort of three way dance going on here, yeah. but I am very curious what their plans are. Again, it's hard to know this week on NXT. Because so much of this was just setup, exhibition, um, getting your getting your pieces in the right place. Right. So it's hard to say. I like a lot of the pieces they have. I like where they're moving their pieces, but it's hard for me to really comment on where they're going and how they're doing until those things settle down. Yeah. But I I like a lot of it. I mean, again, you know, you've got these two programs on Wednesday that I think they're both killing the game and they're both doing it in different ways. So, but are they ultimately bringing down the ratings of one or the other by being on at the same time? Like, like, is this necessary? Is this is this the result of two cable networks squabbling uh, for for each other's ratings? Could we not have them 
on different nights where you're getting the biggest audience for both. That's me. That's my one thing. I I I, I don't like the wars like this because I want to watch both, but at right. the same time, I I'm going to choose one based on some reasons that are important to me, not arbitrarily which one I think is better than the other one. And I think a lot of people are putting the focus on what it, which one they think. I think AEW is better because of X, Y, and Z. No, NXT is the best right. one because... Derp, derp, derp. Well, no, humans it's are. No, we don't need to do that, right? No. That's, well, that's humans are humans are tribal. Means. We like to we like to have our side and be right and have yeah. you know our teams. But that's the beautiful thing is that you know you can watch AEW live on Wednesday and then go watch NXT the right. next day when it comes out on the on the network and DVR and only, watch it immediately after, like I do. Sure. I four hours of wrestling on Wednesday nights now for me. Yeah, no, it's we're very blessed with that, oh. and it's great because, you know, if WWE's main roster is going to continue to kind of stink it up like they did this week, then at least we have alternatives, and yeah. that's something that we couldn't say five years ago when the Roman Reigns push began, and and a lot of people were rolling their eyes so hard they were looking at their brains, yeah, you know. So it's yeah, it's I, I'm liking what NXT is setting up here. Very curious to see where they go. Um, lots of potential, so. I think they're just cannibalizing each other's ratings and it's being used for the wrong purposes. That's my uh, problem. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, Nick, we need to talk about those ratings. No. Uh, and I, instead of having them in the big news, I put them later on in the show because that's where they're going to stay from now on unless something absolutely major happens. Yes. But well, I think... That's our, I, yeah. That's, go ahead. No, no, no. I was, I was actually going to throw it over to you because you're the one who does the introduction for this part. <laughs> well, that's our show for... Uh, but, oh, we're not done yet. <laughs> We've got just enough time for our other news lightning round. Beep, 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 Oh, transitions as smooth as a baby's butt. That's what we do right here on Busted Wide Open. The ratings, the ratings. That's right. I'm talking about the ratings this week. Oh, once God. again, once again, AEW crushing NXT in the ratings. The ratings overall a little bit down, not by much. Uh, NXT last week had 790,000. This week, 712,000. From a point two two to a point two, and uh, that's in the that's in the major eighteen to forty nine demo. Uh, AEW a very similar drop, only four thousand drop for AEW, so a little bit less of a drop uh, from point four five to point four four in the eighteen to forty nine. So AEW staying ahead of NXT significantly, not as dropping I would quite as much. Uh, yeah, it's been three as, weeks. As I would expect to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, I expected a little bit of a drop. That that first week drop of four hundred thousand for AEW was rough, but uh, and NXT right. dropped about a hundred thousand. But they've held steady the last two weeks, so we will see what happens. But AEW still ahead of NXT in the yep. ratings and winning the quote unquote Wednesday Night War. Uh, as you said early in the show, don't forget everybody, next week SmackDown will not be on Fox because World Series. It will be on. FS1, which is going to make it really hey. fun to try to find. Hey, all right. I wonder if they'll put out a baller SmackDown show for us because it's on FS1 or if no. they'll just give up. I'm really curious about that. Like, will they make, will WWE's reaction to this be, we better put on a really good show and stack this card so people want to come find us? Or will they go, ah, screw it. We got Crown Jewel this weekend. Let's just give them some crap. They'll watch it anyway. And uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So. Uh, as we said, Rollins versus Fiend at Long Island Nassau Coliseum 
on Raw on November 4th. Uh, they're advertising it. They're advertising it if you come see it. But uh, there is also speculation it may be a dark match. They have already had Rollins versus The Fiend a couple times as dark matches. Why would they, they might, do that? They might do it again here. Why would they do it? Because it's a dumb idea to have this on Raw if you just had the potential blow-off match at Crown Jewel. It was a dumb idea for the Coliseum, the venue, to leak out on Twitter what your main draw is going to be this early. Oh, no. Three weeks away. Come and on. The, the other question is, does WWE advertise this and then not put it on? They recently advertised Stone Cold, Undertaker, and Sting for the first episode of, of SmackDown on Fox. None of them were on the show. You know, and WWE has no compunction about uh, false advertisement. So I'm very curious to see what happens with this here match. I do what uh, I want. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of WWE, the draft finally felt some last little pieces fell into place. AOP was confirmed to go to Raw after our last show went off the air. I Ooh. speculated that was where they were going. Alicia Fox, on the other hand, has been moved to the alumni page. No oh, official no. word on her separating from WWE. Maybe she's still under contract and just won't be on TV anymore, but her troubles with the old boozy booze may have finally been too much mm. for the dub dub. Uh, also to Raw, people that but did not get drafted but uh, was announced later in the week, to Raw, the Iconics, Zack Ryder, Kurt Hawkins, Mojo Rawley, No Way Jose, and Sarah Logan, meaning that they could reform the Riot Squad over on Monday night because they're not doing anything else with Sarah Logan and Liv Morgan. So why not? And you need another woman's tag team. I'm just saying. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Hashtag they listen. Uh, to Friday Night SmackDown, Cesaro, Luke Harper, who was just tagging with Rowan, but now has been separated from Rowan, going to a different brand. Interesting. Hasn't been happy lately. Wonder what's happening with Luke Harper. Uh, Fire and Desire, as we saw this week, is over on SmackDown. Dana Brooke, as we saw. And Drake Maverick, also on Friday Night SmackDown. So that's the end of the draft. That's where everyone's heading, at least for now, until the wild card rule is reinstated in two weeks. Mm. That's, that's just speculation on my part. NWA, who has been killing it on Tuesdays with power. So uh, good. They're having, if you guys want to find these, they're on our YouTube channel, by the way. I've got a playlist there for you. you can just oh, man. And they're free. They're on yeah. YouTube, 3.05 p.m. E uh, Pacific, or is it Eastern, 3.05? Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. It's I, on I, YouTube on Tuesdays. It's for yes. free. Go I get, watch I get it. an it's alert when, they, when a new video pops up. That's all I know. It is just old school, make you smile goodness. It is so good. Well, they're having their first pay-per-view on December 14th. And as if they haven't had Dawkins stuck in my head all week as it is, they're naming the pay-per-view Into the Fire. Burn, burn, into the Fire. And it already sold out. Sold out in three hours. Wow. So... Good job, NWA, coming out the gates hot. Love Loving it. Loving it. Love it. Uh, Rev Pro will have their British J Cup coming up on November 24th in London. They have announced everyone who will be participating in this tournament. Robbie Eagles, Amazing Red, El Fantasmo, Barbaro Cavanario, Michael Oku, Rocky Romero, Senza Volto, and Pac. What? Will all be in this tournament. He's in AEW now. That if he can still go do other stuff, he's got that kind of contract, apparently. Okay. Uh, but that's a hell of a lineup for this tournament. Keep your eyes on Rev Pro, November 24th. That's going to be 
some good stuff. Also on that card, Tessa Blanchard versus Kanji and Ren Narita, who's now on excursion, will be facing Brendan White. So good stuff from Rev Pro. Speaking of Tessa uh, Blanchard, uh, Chris Van Vliet f- did finally get her for a podcast interview. She's been incredibly hard to get. Hopefully that one's coming out next week. So keep an eye out for his the Van Vliet interview show if you uh, if you're looking out for that one. He got Tessa Blanchard. I wonder if he got her before or after Sammy Callahan smashed her head into the guardrail like 18 times. She probably scrambled from that. Man, they yeah. they're they're doing some stuff in Impact. We got to cover Impact more, man, because they're yeah, doing do. some stuff over there that is. Pretty good stuff. Yeah. Pretty good stuff. Um, it's a good time to be a wrestling fan. Yeah, it is. Jake Hager. Information on Jake Hager. Why has he not had a match yet? Well, he can't have a match oh. until after his Bellator match. He's actually scheduled for another MMA match in Bellator on October 25th versus Anthony Garrett, who actually has a record of 4-2 and two and is bigger than Jake Hager. Oh. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know enough about him to say if this is also a gimme match like Hager's other two matches but on paper it doesn't look like as much as a gimme match here's the thing I don't think Hager can really afford to lose when they're already propping him up as being a legit MMA guy over in AEW right so interesting interesting to keep an eye on that match on the 25th Uh, something else about AEW I want to throw out there and this is this gave me the tingles okay so as we know, there's a bit of an icy relationship right now between New Japan and AEW because of the fact that the Bucks basically gutted the, uh, a lot of people from New Japan when they left. Um, New Japan recovered just fine. They're very resilient. But they were a little bit butthurt at some of the stuff that AEW pulled. Well, one of the people who's trying to thaw things out is Kazuchika Okada currently their heavyweight champion over in New Japan. He's actually said in an interview that he is trying to get an arrangement between AEW and New Japan where there can be some talent crossover, much like what they had with Ring of Honor. And he's actually leading the charge to try to thaw out that relationship. I'm going to throw this out there right now. If Kenny Omega finally beats Jericho for that title, and as he's holding up the title to celebrate his win... You hear the coins drop, and out comes the Rainmaker. I will officially poop my pants. Poop will be my pants. I'll lose. Go caught it at AEW. He's not, he's not leaving in New Japan. He's but he's really good friends with the Bucks. He's really good friends with Kenny Omega. Like he hangs out with the Bucks kids. You know, he like this is, is New Japan though for the past decade. It feels like. But this is why he's the guy. If he's going to the brass, they're they're you know. Harold May is out, out. He's out the door. There's some shifting going on in New Japan right now. Okada has some serious stroke, as you say, which is why the information that he might be agitating to get that relationship with AEW back underway cool. is very worth keeping an eye on. Could very we get worth, to a point uh, where AEW guys, such as Moxley this year, could compete in the, the, the G1, making it that much bigger where it crosses over? There's already uh, speculation that Jericho and Moxley will both be back in Japan for Wrestle Kingdom. Oh, God. So, yes, it's oh. very possible. Oh. It's very possible. Don't forget that Okada was on the very first AEW show back when they were still cooperating with Ring of Honor Impact in New Japan. Uh, all in. Okada versus Girl was on that show. Uh, I can only get so aroused. Seriously, yeah. this, is, this, is the, this is kind of like the dream. You know, 
I, I don't know how to describe this. Like they left and went and started their own company because they wanted to compete in North America with something that was better than the monopoly that was happening, and they right. started something awesome. Then now they're gonna they could potentially join forces with the other thing, the other alternative that we would watch besides WWE in New Japan and create a monster. I I'm it would I'm, be more along the lines of, of how Ring of Honor worked with New Japan, I, but if you remember I understand. Like, Let me put my tinfoil hat on and, and just dream for uh -oh, a moment. Here we that's go. all I'm doing. Uh, it's just the idea that somebody else could come along and pull events, basically. Um and and combine entities that would ultimately be the thing that took down WWE. That would be, uh, if we get to see something like that in my lifetime, um, I, I, I will feel bad for it, but I will be ever thankful that I actually got to live through the rise and fall. That I don't know. It's not going to happen, guys. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not fear-mongering. Ring of Honor and New Japan together were able to put on a show at Madison Square Garden. Yeah. If you have New Japan working with AEW, that's a, that is it's, that would be huge. That'd that's be very huge. And this may be the beginning of that. So that's yeah. why I wanted to, I saw this, I saw Okada say that, and immediately I put on my tinfoil hat and went, where could this go? So that's why I wanted to include that in this here news section. Speaking of New Japan, Jushin Thunder Liger still on his retirement tour. And by the way, I, I went back and I saw his press conference after that Suzuki match, Nick. Last week you said... It might be Suzuki at Wrestle Kingdom. After that press conference, you might be right because he did say, "I was I'm not done with Suzuki. There might be one more match," and I thought that was a pretty definitive finish with Suzuki, like bowing all the way down to him and like almost being in tears. Yeah, but maybe not. Maybe there is one more between them. Maybe his final match will be Suzuki at Wrestle Kingdom uh, because right now it's been announced that um, not only will his last match in San in the U.S. be in San Jose, November 9th, at New Japan Showdown, where it will be, uh, uh, they haven't announced who his opponent will be, but night one of Wrestle Kingdom, his match will be a tag match. It'll be Liger, Tatsumi, Fujinami, Great Sasuke, and Tiger Mask 4 versus Naoke Sano, Sinjiro Otani, Tatsuhita Takayua, and Ryusuke Taguchi. Uh, but he's open night two. They haven't announced a night two. So I said Tanahashi. Uh, who was ringside for that final Suzuki match. Maybe there will be another Suzuki match between now and then, or maybe that will be the final match, a Suzuki versus Liger, which would make poetic sense, seeing as 17 years ago, Liger did transition Suzuki out of MMA and was his last MMA opponent. So that and, might and be as some... emotional and, and as, uh, as, the, as, the, as important as that match felt, I can totally see them doing it again. I think that's why I said it uh, Agreed. this week. Dude, there were... There were like when they cut to the crowd after that Suzuki Liger match, there was a, a large percentage openly weeping. Like yeah. the announcers were saying that they were openly weeping after that match. So could they go for a sequel? Yeah. Let lightning strike twice. Wouldn't yeah. be mad at that. Uh, also speaking of Japan news, Bushi Road, the company that owns New Japan, also just bought Stardom. So now they own. New Japan, an all-male company, and Stardom, an all-female company. Now, that doesn't mean that Stardom will be on New Japan programming. There's a whole lot that I could say about this. I'm just going to keep it simple. Stardom is not going to join up with New Japan, but it does give Stardom a lot more money, and it's going to give them a TV show. Um, they're, gonna be, they're still going to be a, a streaming service that will be exclusive for the actual Stardom events, and uh, New Japan World will not be streaming Stardom. 
Right. But they are going to be getting um, – they are going to have a TV show uh, on on Japan Station starting in January uh, with, a, with the BSN TV show being a 30-minute show on Thursdays. Also, Rossi Ogawa will remain CEO of Stardom. So it looks like not a lot's going to really change and shift right away. It's yeah. just that Stardom's going to become bigger, which is good for all of us because Stardom is the best – Joshi program in the world and ice ribbon's good too but stardom's the best is where like a lot of the big people go so well to set the stage for this a little bit more earlier in the week i sent you a text and i think we both were speculating a little bit in our own heads there were announced preliminary announcements made that new japan had a big announcement to make on october 18th which was friday yesterday and then subsequently wwe came out and said that they had a big announcement to make on october 18th which was yesterday friday and our heads just kind of (gasps) went except except what's funny was what it ended up being was that Bushi Road, like New Japan didn't announce it, Bushi Road did. They bought Stardom. And right. WWE jumped their own gun because they were trying to establish NXT Japan and they made a bid for pro wrestling Noah. And they got turned down. Not because the money wasn't right, but because pro wrestling Noah did not want to sell to a Western company that they knew Sammy was going to come says- in. Was they were gonna that they knew WWE was gonna come in and do what they did yeah. to the UK scene and kind of cannibalize it. Yep. The problem is, is I don't think WWE would be able to go and work Japan because they don't. I don't think that they do the kind of show that Japan wants to see. No. And and for them to come in and just pillage Noah, they're they're not gonna be able to put the show on that that Noah fans want. Right. And I mean, in Japan, for the most part, fans like one company. You go to stardom shows. You go to New Japan shows. You go to Noah shows. You go to All Japan shows. You don't. They don't cross over very much, right? So the people that watch Noah would feel like their company was gone. And I, you know, unless WWE did some like real different stuff as far as their style, uh, they they might have killed Noah. So it might be for the best thing that that didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, but it does show that WWE is very very interested in getting into Japan, but. I personally, I think they have a major uphill battle if they want to try to do that. We've been talking about this for the last year with the opening of NXT UK. It was the first step into the foray of global NXT. And yeah. they wanted to establish these kind of the Triple H's return to the territories, except they were going to be global territories now. We've, yeah. we've been talking about this for a while. I, that's you what know. I thought. They were going to turn, fire up New Japan, or not New Japan, uh, NXT Japan with, with this. Well, obviously, they're trying really hard. And this is actually yeah. one thing I do. I did just say that WWE came in and pillaged the UK scene. And this is what, and this is, I'm saying this as a guy who's living on the West Coast of America and is not a part of that local British scene. I want to hear from our listeners who are in the UK. Do you see a major change in your local uh, promotions now that WWE has come in and signed a bunch of people away there? Like, have you seen a major shift? Since WWE came in, do you feel like they've pillaged your local scene? I want to hear what, what's been your guys's on the ground experience with this because that seems to be the general consensus uh, that I've seen online. But I want to hear what our listeners have to say about that. So if you guys Same. are listening to the part of the show, please pipe in on Facebook in the discussion group or on Discord and let us know because I, that's I'm fascinated about that because that is kind of a harbinger for what WWE might do in other areas in the world that have a thriving local scene that they go into with NXT. So, yeah, interesting stuff there. Uh, A couple more little notes, Nick. Uh, Maria Manic tried out for WWE after her Ring of Honor contract expired. 
Uh, I think Mannix would be a good pickup for WWE. But then again, you know, uh, WWE picking up everybody now is starting to get me a little worried. But at the same time, uh, you know, all the best to her. Hope she shows up sometime soon in NXT. And finally, some word on the street about Eric Bischoff and what the heck happened with him. Uh, There was a WWE official who made an unofficial statement. And uh, he said, Eric had absolutely no vision. And once we were headed into Fox, everything was falling through the cracks. He messed up multiple times with Fox. Eric also had no stamina for the rigors of the job. Um, Obviously, unsourced. This is not ringside news. This was actually like a legit uh, publication. (laughs) (laughs) Like, this is is probably at least most kayfabe news, you mean then? Right, it's not kayfabe news. Yeah. Here's the other thing: is this seems like common sense to me? Yeah. Um, the fact that Eric Bischoff is 64 years old, the fact that he's not a young man, and the only tenures he's really had running a wrestling company was WCW back in the 90s, which tanked within years of him taking over, and he was running along with Hogan and Nash. Uh, he had other people working with him on it, and then the other time was with TNA, where he was out in what two years. So it's not like he's got a really a ton of experience and a lot of the kind of hope that people had with him coming in, uh, you and I were speculating he was in there to deal with the executives at Fox. So if it sounds like he wasn't doing a good job dealing with them, that was kind of like his only thing that we thought was, he was going to be good at. He apparently didn't know the talent. He apparently was, uh, you know, Vince runs like an around-the-clock organization and Eric wasn't reachable after 7 p.m. from what I hear. Hmm. Like that's, so four months later, but... Who I'm surprised that they didn't see this coming. I really am. Like, how do you not know that this is what you're getting? I think we had rose-colored glasses on from days of yore, and we had hopes that uh, I think what we we, we were distracted because ooh, somebody's going to be doing it besides Vince, and we're that could have been you know Big Bird as far as we knew. It's just (laughs) not Vince. Right, and I think that was the distraction that we all just kind of bought into right right away, and it was like, oh, we forgot about the history of Bischoff and how well, it was but terrible. Maybe, <laughs> I, maybe we were being foolish, but I, I thought, hey, this is a billion-dollar company, and once again, silly me for, for not thinking harder about it, but I figured, okay, they must know something we don't know. They must have had some sort of perspective on this or have had a talk with Eric Bischoff about how this is going to run. They wouldn't bring him in. Uh, and assume that he knew what the hell to do just because he once upon a time ran WCW. They wouldn't do that, would they? It looks like they did now in hindsight. After four months of him moving to Connecticut, it looks like they did. They brought him in on a wing and a prayer, and four months later, it looks like Pritchard has taken over. Okay, bye. Looks like Pritchard was already running the show for the last few months, apparently. Yeah. So, wild. Wild that this was, and this is supposed to be a billion-dollar publicly traded professional company. But oh, well, what do we know? We're just right. podcast hosts. Right. Nick, that is the news for this week. Oh, what, real quick note though: Bischoff will be at Starcast Four uh, during uh, road Uh-oh. games. Expect the rod. shade to come out. <laughs> road, road gear. He will be. Yeah, full rod. I, yeah, I need to hear him shoot. On this, can't trust a word he said, but I'm still, I'm still can't yeah. wait to hear what shoot his shoot take on this is. So I'd love to hear what Cornette would say about what, what the hell they think was going to happen. <laughs> he, he probably used a little bit more of an offensive word than hell, yeah. but yes, Nick, yeah. I know what you're saying. That is the news. 
Thank you very much, Surrey and Dangerous. And thank you guys for hanging out with us today as we went over AEW, uh, NXT, and Friday Night SmackDown, as well as a myriad of other things across the wide world of wrestling. Uh, hang tight. Uh, we're going to wrap this show up real quick, but we'll be right back for our patron mailbag. But before we do, want to get out of here by saying thank you to all of uh, our subscribers on YouTube. Be sure to leave Definitely. us a like on this video if you had a good time. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel and you got that notification bell checked anytime we put up new content or, or uh post a new event for an upcoming live stream which we do all things live all the time at this point you can find us over in the hanging out in the busted wide open discussion group on facebook give us a like on our page and send us a join request to get in there we'll get you in uh you can also find us over on our discord server which is in the description below if you're watching us on youtube or you can find the links pinned across our social media profi profiles to get into there yes sir speaking of youtube tell your friends Tell your family, subscribe to us on YouTube, hit that little notification bell because we do do everything live now, Nick. Yes. All live all the time. So make sure you're notified when we do go live on YouTube. It's a fun way to watch the show. We have a great lively chat going on. Thank you to everyone over there in the chat. You guys rock. Yes. Stick around. We will be doing another show in just a second here. But yes, go to YouTube and subscribe because yes. that is a great way to get the show as well. You may have noticed we reset the timer on the goal down in the bottom left of the screen if you're watching us on YouTube, and there's reasons for that that we will describe to you later. Uh, <laughs> but make sure you're subscribed to the channel. Uh, also, last but certainly not least, thank you to all of our patrons. Uh, yes. your, your patronage means the world to us. Patreon.com slash BWO if you want to get in on some of that. Like the perk of being able to ask listener questions, which mm. we're going to be recording immediately after this show. So hang tight, refresh the channel once this stream's over, and we're going to start our patron mailbag series uh, this week's episode with lots of questions that we've gotten in already this week. So hang tight, stick around. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us on this show. My name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But by God, would somebody stop the damn map? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out. OrbitalJigsaw.com.